Hi, I'm Benjamin Light. And I'm Marco Sparks. And welcome to Bros Watch PLL2. This week we're watching S7E6 Wanted, Dead or Alive. Mm-hmm. Written by Elijah Baraz and directed by Bethany Rooney. Yeah. A couple old hands at PLL. Mm-hmm. This was a fun episode. It had a, a quite delightful ending, I think mm-hmm. I would say. Really? <laughs> Yes, really. I mean, you know, brokenhearted, but at the same time, delightful. I, I was going to say, regardless of knowing it's coming, I want to thank everyone who reached out to us and wanted to see how we were doing during <laughs> this, this dark hour. I, I was like 99% sure it was going down this episode, so, you know. Can I can I just borrow a line? Can I, to be douchey as possible, can I just borrow oh, sure. a line from Aaron Sorkin and President Bartlett? The streets of heaven are too crowded of angels tonight, my friends. <laughs> Also, <laughs> somewhere in heaven, the water bill's going up. I love the sheer number of people who the first original thought they had was she died as she lived, mm-hmm. or she died doing what she loved. Well, we'll, we'll get to that, but uh, let's bring it back to the start. Yeah. We're going to open on Arya's hands picking up her coffee mug at the brew. Uh, notably, no rings on those fingers. Mm-hmm. I don't see no ring on that finger. Mm-hmm. And she like sips her coffee and does this weird thing where she kind of like looks around guiltily. Like I don't know, if this is just Arya being Arya here. <laughs> but like she's got the shifty eyes, just drinking coffee. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Emily walks up and she's like, "Arya, I called you last night after you went to Ezra's." And Arya seems a little on edge. Emily sits down in the other chair. Um, we see there's kind of a circular table, like, you know, empty chairs for the other liars when they get here. And on the coffee table in the middle of all these chairs is the amateurs. Naturally. As well as copies of a Joanna Flunke book. Mm -hmm. I wish I could go back in time knowing that they were going to do such, such an onslaught of product placement, which is fine. I mean, I I wouldn't call it product placement. Somewhat. It's, it's a fun little nod to the fact. I feel like it's more like. We like the people who write these books, so we're just going to put them here. Like it's not like it's not like uh, Sony like forcing <clears throat> their uh, no, you know, it's their not, phones it's not, into a movie or something. It's know? not the it's not the like Microsoft. What is that one phone Aria had? Oh, the Kin. Yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not it's, that. it's not it's not that. But I mean, literally, it is product placement. I but guess. Uh, I I wish that her book was entitled The Aristocrats more because that would be fun. But also, Lucy Hale looks just adorably tiny in that chair. I mean, it's like it's like Lucy Hale got up and left, and they used an Aria action figure as her stand-in for lighting. Mm. I, I would be shocked if her feet even touched the uh, the ground. But yeah, she says, uh, "Yeah, I'm sorry, I didn't get back to you." And Emily's like, "Well, is everything okay? Did he find out about the Nicole call?" And Aria's like, "Who? No, he didn't. Everything's fine." <laughs> Um, Ari's being polite and curt and, as usual, a little suspicious. But, you know, we, the audience, get that she's not, she's talking about the PLL proposal or the lack of it. Uh, and then Spencer and Hannah walk in. And I love Spencer's look in this episode. Gray-blue trench coat, ripped jeans. This is a trouble look for sure. Oh, we got to talk about all the, the looks here. Uh, oh, yeah. Because Aria here, she has on, like, these tight leather pants. And then that top 
uh, got a lot of good descriptions of that, like in various places online, people describing what the hell Arya's like weird sweater is she's wearing there. I mean, it looks like something out of like Saved by the Bell, I guess, like early 90s. It's it's like I think I had rollerblades that were that color. There's a there's a strong 80s vibe. I think I've been saying. But I feel like it's more early from- 90s. Eh. Either way, this this sweater is like the Aria fashion thesis. Well, it's this like, is like teal and purple. This is like the costume designers going for their doctorate in Aria fashion, and it's happening. Purple sleeves with like like tiger stripes. Well, yeah, two different animal prints. But then the yeah the main part of the shirt is like this royal blue with uh, like leopard spots on it. I mean, wow. I mean, if she had like one skull earring, uh, one feather earring, and mm-hmm. a skirt of ties, this would have been peak Arya. Yeah. Hannah's got on like one of Arya's like leather jackets. Uh, yeah. It's like beige. Uh, not really a fan of that jacket. But then she's got on like a gold top underneath and some high waisted jeans. Yeah. Spencer's got the badass trench coat. Emily's just in like one of her like casual I'm a model sweaters, basically. Mm-hmm. I guess yeah. I saw a thing where they're like Emily gets to wear heels this season or something. Like a lot of people notice that. Like I guess oh. normally she doesn't, but she does for her job and whatnot. Oh, okay. I was I was confused when you said she gets to like. Well, it was something where like I think like Shane Mitchell like said at one point like she wanted to wear heels more or something like that. Okay, I'm just yeah. picturing this this thing coming down from on high from the <laughs> network. She may wear heels. Mm. Um, so Spencer's just like look. Can we just focus focus on living enemies instead of dead ones, please? And that line and the fact that she gets to say that is Spencer Hastings' social life in the meta nutshell. <laughs> yeah, so they come in and sit down, you know, opposite Emily and Ari here. And Ari's like, what are you guys talking about? And Spencer says, Hannah thinks that Rollins could still be alive. And Ari just kind of like glares at Hannah here. And Hannah just like rolls her eyes. And she says, that detective told Allie he saw a photo of Elliot Rollins in a rental car. Okay, last time I checked, ghosts don't show up in photographs. I would love to hear Hannah talk about ghosts and vampires oh, and Draculas all day. Arya makes like a very alarmed face at this. Like, oh shit, is that true? You can't take a picture of a ghost? <laughs> uh, and Spencer says, okay, we were all there that night, Hannah. The man is dead. We killed him and we buried him. And now somebody knows. So frankly, that's bad enough without having to go all walking dead. And he says, she's right about the traffic cam, Spence. If there's a photo of him, Spencer cuts her off. She's like, yeah, it could easily have been manufactured. You find a Rollins lookalike, and you stick him behind a wheel of a midsize sedan. The important thing is the 80s fake. Ro- and then she pauses because uh, one of the busboys comes over now, and they're discussing a murder. Mm-hmm. And she's uh, like, thank you. And then she continues to lie. She's like, that's 80s fake Rollins trail picks up when where ours left off. Well, I um, wonder, like, Spencer, she gave some fun to, like, how you would fake a traffic cam photo. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's just Spencer being Spencer. Mm-hmm. What if there was a spinoff? Speaking of the show they just mentioned, what if there was a spinoff and it was just called Fear the Pretty Little Liars? Who would it star? I don't know. Where would it take place? <laughs> I don't know. I mean, I Isn't that Michael. show terrible, though? I think I've heard of Fuck Mountain. Yeah. Um, yeah, so Arya's like, yeah, this has to be Rollins' partner in crime. Mary or Jenna knows that we killed him and they're helping cover it up. And Hannah's like, you call that helping? And Emily's like, A, never does anything for free, okay? Not test scores and definitely not a cover-up. 
And Spencer's like, guys, if Jenna was working with Rollins and she just found out what he did, she could be grooming Sarah to become her new seeing eye dog. LOL. <laughs> and Ari's like, no, there's no grooming involved. Sarah already hates her. Or hates, hates us. And I mean, it's just like, <sighs> Oh, and before they can really soak in the idea of a seeing eye Sarah Harvey here, in walks Allison Delorentis mm-hmm. in that red jacket that they gave to AD. And the liars all kind of see this and, you know, process the implication here. And it's like, fuck. Uh, Hannah's like, is that? And Ari's like, yes, it is. And Allie walks up right between the four of them. She's looking all bitchy and smug. And she's Emily's just like, Allie, where did you get that jacket? And Allison says, it was a gift from AD. Mm-hmm. There's like, you know, eye contact with all four of them. Smug satisfaction here. Just making them all squirm. I feel like the follow-up, this was probably like five minutes of all of them just shifting uncomfortably. <laughs> uh, so we get the credits. The rotation starts again. Hannah is the shusher. Uh, then afterwards, we're outside. We're on the street. We're downtown Rosewood. This is, you know, who knows how much later. Allison's Probably like off. seconds later, I'm guessing. Allison's made her presence known. She's, she's as you said, you know, because of the implications uh, Allison's storming off. Spencer's keeping up with her, trying to explain. And she's like, we had no choice, okay? AD was going to kill Hannah. It doesn't seem to get a reaction from Allison. Spencer continues, AD wanted Charlotte's killer, and we we thought that you were guilty. And Allison's like, well, you were wrong. <laughs> and she just like stares at her for effect after saying that as they both keep power walking down the street. And Spencer's like, I know, but you had already checked yourself from the well-being. We all thought that Elliot was going to be able to protect you. And Allison's like, no, okay? You thought that Hannah's life was more was worth more than mine. And they stop basically on the street. <laughs> yeah, basically true. I mean, they voted. They yeah. stop on the street now to hash this out. So just like, hey, in case you forgot, Hannah just ran over the guy who was really to blame for all this. And Allison's like, technicality. Well, it's uh, like, so, yeah, irrelevant. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Spencer's like, we did everything we could to save you, Allie, including voting on your guilt. And she says, uh, just like we did everything we could to hashtag save Hannah. And just then Allison gets a text. Spencer immediately says, what is it? And Allison's just like, ugh. Mary said that. Detective Fury's at home with an update. I've got to go. Uh, so Allison tries to move towards her car, but Spencer kind of stops in front of her. She's like, well, I'm coming with you. And Allison just kind of stares at her, and Spencer's like, I don't well, she really like, care. She, like, bugs her eyes out at Spencer, just, like, seriously. Yeah. You know? but yeah, but Spencer can't be stopped, won't be stopped. Yeah. I like, really I care that you're pissed at us, okay? I care that you're safe. And if anyone had the opportunity to sneak that jacket and that note from AD into your bedroom, it's Mary Drake, who's sleeping one room over. And Allie just kind of glares at her like she doesn't like it, but she has to concede a point there. So Spencer's just like, all right, let's go, you know, and like lead on. Uh, And so they do. Uh, I like this scene. I feel like it's been a while since we had a good Allie Spencer scene. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now that Allie's rediscovered uh, her personality, she can butt heads with Spencer like she used to. Well, I mean, I I always like the dynamics you can play off of different characters who don't usually interact, but... With Spencer and Allison, obviously they're they're well acquainted with each other. I'm always just curious, like where do they fall? Like where where what is their relationship with each other each time I see them? You know, I feel like Spencer probably thinks she's clearly winning lately. Like I feel like she's been winning in the uh, the game she plays with Allie for a while now. Yeah, I mean, you know, like with uh, Emily on one end of the spectrum of like closeness to Allison. <laughs> whatever like like spencer's usually at the other end i think maybe for a while in season five when ali came back ali might have still like de facto been the lead like spencer had to defer but now i think well, but remember, she's season way five, 
in their bedroom, especially in Allison's bedroom, there was a lot of scenes of Spencer like giving Allison some straight up shit mm-hmm. um, before they decided again that Allison was <laughs> totally evil. After um, shaking a vote. Yeah, yeah shaking a vote about it. <laughs> Allie's like, I'm beginning to think these votes are a little biased. <laughs> So, yeah, meanwhile, back at the brew, the other liars are all kind of stewing in their own guilt here because they dropped the dime on Allie. And he's like, we all should have followed her out. Uh, I guess it's interesting that they didn't. Like, they're just like, yeah, let's Spencer do it. Like, let the bosses argue. We'll stay well, out of this. You know that Hannah and Arya are thinking that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and Arya's like, she just needs some time. Um, and then they all get the text at the same time. And I, I love the way the, like, the hair on the back of their necks always uh-huh. stands up. So they check their messages, and Hannah, after glancing at it, is just like, it's Spencer. And Ari's like, oh, we really got to stop group texting each other. Ser- seriously. Or at least, like, assign a custom ringtone or something. Yeah, really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, Emily, she's reading the text, and she says she's going to Allie's house to keep eyes on Mary Drake. And Hannah says, so now we're back to on Mary? And Arya's eyes are kind of darting around between Hannah and Emily here. And Emily says, Spencer's going to follow Mary. I'm going to keep tabs on Jenna. She's staying at the rally, and so is Sarah. So she stands up with her purse. Arya kind of does the same thing. And Emily looks at Hannah, and she says, do you still have Rollins' burner phone? And Hannah kind of pulls it out of her purse to show him. And she says, I'll let you know if I hear anything. So Arya nods, and she follows Emily out the back exit of the brew. But before they make it out... Oh, there's Ezra Fitz coming down the stairs and around the corner to run into them. Mm-hmm. Do you think he was waiting? Oh, yeah. I mean, he probably knows whenever she's in the brew, right? I would not be shocked if Mr. I have access to all kinds of high-tech cameras and stuff, like as cameras in the brew that he can access. Or does but he just like, like pay off one of the baristas? Like, hey, whenever you see that girl come in, just page me. Yeah, or I, but I feel like he was probably just like crouched there on the stairs. <laughs> He's just waiting, like. Watching. Oh my god, how long are they gonna have this coffee? He's like, I should have used the bathroom before I did this. <laughs> I gotta go. He's like, I forgot Ari is the type of person who like likes her coffee really hot, but then she likes to let it sit till it cools off. So this is gonna take a while. Also, I really should fix the plumbing in my apartment. <laughs> yeah, so they run into each other, and it's just like, hey. Uh, and there's obvious tension here. Uh, and Emily's picking up on it, and Arya kind of stops to talk to him, like maybe anticipating this and she's just like hi and then to her surprise Ezra just like slides right past her and keeps going dick move dangerous thing to blow off the shisher like that yeah Emily's at the door she looks back at Arya and she says are you sure everything's okay and Arya's like yeah fine uh and she's like obviously lying you know as usual as usual but Emily she's gonna let it go I have some ideas about Emily and the whole Ezra situation I'll get to them later okay uh, so then we're going to cut over to the Dillerentis house and in come Allison and Spencer. They're marching in. We see Mary Drake is at the kitchen table there or dining room table and Detective Marco Fury is there as well. What the fuck were these two talking about before the others arrived? God, I can't even imagine. Like, I feel like, like you know, with, with Mary Drake and the liars, they, there's like weird history shit to talk about. But like. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're trapped, a normal person trapped in an elevator with Mary Drake, like, what do you talk about? Well, I feel like there's, like, like two minutes of silence that feel like an eternity. And then she just kind of casually leans in and says, would you like to hear a story about one of my lovers? I get a strong, like, anti-vaxxer vibe from Mary Drake. <laughs> like, she probably has, like, crystals, you know? Okay. Just saying. <laughs> <laughs> 
Have I told you the last time that I saw the sunlight? She's with Jill one of Stein. my lovers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, Allison walks in. She's like, Detective Fury. That's not a real name. Thank you so much for waiting. And he stands I feel up. like you should always be like, Detective Fury, calm down. <laughs> yeah. And he's like, no problem at all, Mrs. DeLaurentis. And then he kind of, him and Spencer lock eyes. And you can see it's awkward between the two of them, but they're going to play it casual. And Marco's just like, hello again. And I feel like the way he reacts to her, like, if you were paying attention, it's obvious that, like, something went on between these two. Oh, yeah. But I don't think I don't think anyone in this scene is. I mean, maybe Mary might have picked up on it. But Allie, Allie's not paying attention. Mary's obviously thinking, was this one of Spencer's former lovers? lovers. <laughs> She's like, Spencer, wait. I wanted to talk to you. I know it can be awkward when you want to run into one of your lovers especially since what was it uh i've never managed to stay friends with any of my lovers mm-hmm. <laughs> spencer's just like i'm terrified but I if you'd like i away. can i could set up a a romantic retreat at the lost woods inn for you too <laughs> spencer's like hardest pass of all time I don't know. But maybe I, not. Yeah, she's like, fuck no. Fuck no. And then she drives home and like mm-hmm. fantasizes about it. <laughs> um, yeah, so Spencer Tiny, a little bit reserved, is just like, hi. Uh, so Tech Marco's like, please have a seat. Allison sits at the table opposite Tech Marco. There's Mary in the middle. Spencer kind of just goes to stand in the corner, like right behind Allison. I love how she's she's in this like power position <laughs> where she's the muscle. Yeah, yeah, yeah seriously. Like she's gonna go like uh, like beat up some hackers after this for uh, Ray. Um, Dr. Marco opens up his tablet to show Allison something, and he's like, Miss Delorentis, this person that you married is actually a man named Archer Dunhill. And he shows her the scan of Archer Dunhill's UK passport. He's Welsh. Yeah, he's thirty two years old. Thirty two years old, born in Wales. And Allison's like, what else do you know about him? And he's like, let me continue. As he starts like flipping through his tablet with some scanned forms. He says, uh, he's wanted in the UK for several counts of petty theft and fraud. So I'm just well, like Ali Ali makes a face here. It's kind of just like, uh, I got conned by a common criminal. Yeah. Like not even someone impressive. That's really embarrassing. Well, I feel like like her two years on the run, she probably smoked and like buried enough guys like this in an ashtray. Yeah. Um, Spencer's like, uh, what about the rental car? The traffic camera photo? And Marco's just like, we're looking into it. Officer Kavanaugh, I'll pause for your laughter, has been dispatched to meet with a number of witnesses personally. Uh, so both <laughs> Officer Kavanaugh has been dispatched. <laughs> Sorry. Continue. I was going to put my best man on it, but Barry Maple retired. <laughs> um, He's the chief. I, what I want is like if I can't see Jim Titus, like, physically on screen i want the liars to walk past the thing that just says like like reelect sheriff maple yeah or something, yeah you know? i like that um so mary you need the, the back to the future car with like the loudspeaker on it like driving <laughs> around main street there <laughs> yes uh but mary drake and allison seem like visibly uncomfortable and, and well mary- like is that supposed to reassure them like, oh, he put Toby on it. Great. <laughs> Mary's like, I just got to this town. But seriously, that guy? And then she looks at Spencer and winks because that's one of her former lovers. <laughs> lovers. So Marco's like, well, there was a rental car in Rollins' name. And he shows him another form of the tab of the train ticket. And he says, now we don't believe that Archer Dunhill was in it. But we do suspect that the car rental, the train ticket, all this was created to divert our attention from what really happened. And Allison like, looks right at Spencer um, Mary Drake notices Allison's reaction, seems a little perplexed. And Mary Drake's like, what really happened? 
And Marco says, well, we're not exactly sure. And Spencer says something here, and she's like, but you have a theory. And Detective Marco continues with, why continue using credit cards if you've already disappeared? We suspect he wanted us to find those charges to follow that trail. He's making it look like Archer Dunhill is long gone when, in fact, he could be much closer than we thought. And Allison's just like, fuck my life. Allison looks like she could throw up, yeah. And Barry's just like, why? Why would he do that? And Marco says, perhaps he's got unfinished business here. Hmm. And we just like cut to shot of Spencer, like gears turning in her head. And then he says, we do believe that Allison's still in danger. And Mary's like, oh, my God. And Allie kind of gives Mary this look like, really, bitch, I don't buy it. <laughs> uh, and Marco says, now, you'll have 24-hour police protection. And we shall double our efforts to find him. Uh, Mr. Laurentius, I give you my word. We will get this guy. And Allison looks like she wants to throw up some more. Uh, How many times have the Rosewood police put 24-hour protection on her house. This has to be like the fourth time. On how completely ineffective is it? Yeah, seriously. He's just like, I've gone through notes of like the 17 previous cases in which we put 24-hour protection in your house. Just get the fuck out of town. (laughs) He's like, have you ever considered just like faking your own death and going on the run? That might work better for you. Mm -hmm. I'm just saying. I'm new to this show, guys. Hey, speaking of new to this show, I, I do have a question for you. I notice in your notes that you always write Detective Marco instead of Marco. Is that for any particular reason, or you just like really want to honor him with his title? Uh, I don't want to keep writing just Marco. You want to write more letters instead? I'm not a fan of it because I know, so I especially don't like having to say repeatedly Detective Marco. But I've also noticed that if his name wasn't Marco, which, wink, um, like, I probably would have put some kind of descriptor just because it's a title, but we also tend to do that on this show. I've noticed to almost kind of limit them. Like, I guess, uh, I guess my Baker question Bro is, Zach. are you trying to like distance yourself from detective Marco here? Hmm. That's a, that would be like for a fascinating psychological study of me. But, and if, if Marco and Spencer like hook up again, will you lessen your distancing from Marco? Oh Yeah. Okay. I would, ha- I would have you. <laughs> You'd be solely. like, no worry. Like, like, uh, find all replace. Like, take out the detective. It's just well, Marco. It's cleaner. I mean, he's still going to get to the bottom of that mystery. Um, mm. But I would have you solely. That was just really handle, dirty. Handle those scenes <laughs> just so I could bask in them more fully, <laughs> yeah. and then make a lot of comments about my lovers. Well, you know, the fun thing about this scene is that everybody's like coming in at it with their own info. Yeah. Like, because Marco, he's, like, trying to assure the girls. I think he's maybe trying to get a read on them, but he has no idea what to get a read on. You know, so I wondered about that. I was really watching um, Nick Gonzalez. I was watching his performance. And I think I'm, like, am I really perceiving that Detective Marco Fury is that that good? Or am I just remembering, like, quotes from an Entertainment Weekly article? (laughs) That he's smart, yeah. He's the smartest Spencer and Mona. Because it's... I'm not saying that the character isn't, or that's not how he's playing it, but he's, he's playing it very subtly. <laughs> I mean, I, I guess seeing through the false trail would suggest he's a halfway decent cop or something. I don't know. He hasn't, uh, you know, in a long enough timeline, every man in Rosewood's a piece of shit. So um, I just, well, because well, he's, fascinating he's the, bringing that, but then Allie and Spencer, they like, they know they killed this guy, right? So, like, what the hell's going on? Well, so, like, he, he might be reading their confusion as something totally different, but from what they're, you know, thinking. 
Yeah, and who knows what the fuck is going on with Mary and how mm-hmm. she's reacting to them and he's perceiving her. But I just like that he's sitting here talking about uh, unfinished business and all this stuff, you know, like is there like also subtext which is whatever's going on with him and Spencer? Could be. I just like the fact that uh, they killed a guy mm-hmm. and he's like telling them like, oh no, like the, the false trail you laid, it continues and we're following it. And they're just like, Wait a minute. How is that well, even I possible? Think, I think regardless of the performance, which again, I'm not totally criticizing, I think it's smart on the part of the writers because if you are laying it's, – it's groundwork laid that he will be – you can follow his thought process. Yeah. You know what I mean? When he later pokes holes in Spencer's thing. Um, I mean her story. <laughs> oh, boy. So cut to outside the DeLaurentis house. He's leaving, looking at his phone as he walks down the driveway. And then behind him, we see Spencer come out the front door. And she says, Detective Fury. But he doesn't seem to hear her. And so she says, Marco. And he stops and looks back at her and says, Polo. No. And he's like, that gets old. Uh, so uh, Spencer says, uh, do you have a minute? And he says, of course. And she's like, um. And she kind of like. Looks over, there's like a patrol car in the foreground. She kind of like nods like, hey, come over here. So they they go out over behind, I think it's her car or his car. I don't know whose car this is. They go behind another car to like, like you know, talk a little bit more in private. And she says, I just wanted to clear the air since our, um, and he's like, moment. And Spencer says, yeah, I obviously did not know that you were a police officer at the time. And he says, and you have a problem with law enforcement? And she's like, holy shit, yes, I do. <laughs> And she's like, no, I, uh, and then he kind of smiles at her. It's like, oh, he's just teasing her. And she kind of laughs like, ah, oh, you got me. You know, she's like, yeah, yeah. Uh, you're investigating my friend's husband. I wouldn't want anything to get complicated. And she can say that you guys, cause she's, you know, she's had sex with Caleb. Well, somewhere on a campground right now, like Caleb just felt the knife go through his heart. Yeah. Yeah. It's like clutched his chest. And his sphincter tightened. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 So Marco is Marco isn't even sure really how to respond to that, and she says, "Not that you're at all interested in me. I just um just saying, like, very smooth, Spencer." And he's just like, "Okay." And so she nods, smiling, and it's like, "Well, I got that out of the way." Uh, although I, she still hasn't mentioned that Toby's her ex. I feel like I don't know. Should she mention that, or is it better her, to just her ex? What her ex lover? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Would you want to claim that? Uh, I guess I'd want to get ahead of it because, oh man! I mean, I guess you're hoping that this guy is so discreet that he's just not going to mention her at all. Yeah, yeah. You hope that he'll be discreet and won't haunt her dreams. But uh, uh, I guess the problem is that, like, because this is potentially part of an investigation, like it could maybe come up. Maybe, maybe. I don't know. I, I feel like I would not want Toby to hear that from someone else first. Yeah, yeah, just because of also future potential, you know, endgameness. But uh, well, and you know, the brotherhood of ex-boyfriends. But I, uh, I feel like uh, Spencer's just got to be like, yeah, Toby's my ex, and not just like a couple weird dates and a strange hookup or two. Like I put like four years into that fixer-upper. Like he put me in a mental hospital. That's how. That's how connected we were. <laughs> Marco's just like that guy. Really? Him? And Spencer's just like, yeah, eggplant emoji. And he's like, oh, got it. So is this our new fan fiction that uh, Toby's got a, a pretty serious drop weapon? I mean, she was really committed to him. I don't know. Maybe they're soulmates. I don't know if you've seen those Orlando Bloom photos or not. I haven't. 
But I can share with the class. <laughs> I can row a boat without an oar. If you know what I am saying, I will draw oh, a picture. Wow. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he says this pirate has seen some Caribbean. If you know what I am saying, I actually don't. Uh, <laughs> is there anything she could be holding back? Anything that could help the investigation? What does that even mean? Are we still know. on the aura metaphor? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, Spencer says, no, no, I think she told you everything. And he kind of looks at her. He's going to accept this. He doesn't really like it. but Because I, I think he senses something's weird. But, you know, he doesn't know what. He says, thank you. She says, yeah. So she walks away and he's he's pensive. And it's like. Either he suspects something or maybe he's just wondering, like, hey, is there another date there? You know, it's like we don't really know where his mind is yet. Is it on the case or is it just on her? Yeah. So then we're going to cut to Arya. She's chilling on the couch at her parents' house. She's holding her phone up. She's listening to a voicemail on speaker. And it's Ezra Fitz saying, hi, I just wanted to make sure that you got home okay. I know you left upset and that we, we both... We were both, call me when you get this, please. And Arya blinks, and then she gets this <laughs> looks on her face like she's almost pleased with herself. She's about to call him back, like her thumb's hovering right over the callback button. And then she just kind of sighs and sits there and kind of like stews instead, like stares off into nothing. I just want to be like the intern in the writer's room who's just like, hey, guys, I love this scene. I love it. But when Arya's like, deciding whether or not to delete the number or call him back or whatever. Could she be fondling that like necklace of teeth? That'd be really cool. <laughs> well, that she gets this faint smile on her face. Like, I guess she's like, well, at least he called me, you know, like, it's like, like she's winning. I don't know. Hashtag winning hashtag lovers. When I was first watching this episode, like when I saw the opening scene, I like prepared a tweet that was just like a million ha ha ha's with like, you know, she said no. But before I sent it, I was like, oh, wait, she's going to say yes by the end of the episode. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can just, I can feel it coming. I'm not going to send that tweet. I'll just look like an ass. Can you imagine the 4,000, like, in your fucking face, Ezria, mm-hmm. responses you'd get? Mm-hmm. Oh. So then we're going to go over to the brew. Hannah's chilling at one of the tables over on the side. She's got, like, a binder full of business paperwork and shit open in front of her. Lucas is on the phone, although we don't hear him. And Hannah's saying, I left that blank on purpose because I'm not a fortune teller, Lucas. How am I supposed to know the first quarter financial projections? And she's kind of flipping through some papers on like market reach and there's some graphs and shit. And she's like, all right, so what else did you not like about the business plan? Everything. Got it. You know, this would be a lot easier if you're here. It's like, he is Hannah. He's AD. Hmm. Uh, She's like, in person. Because I have a degree in fashion, not boring numbers that don't add up. Does Lucas have a degree? I feel like he doesn't. I want to know more about like whatever dumbass app he created. I feel like he like made like the mobile porn hub or something, you know, like like there can't be it's something unwholesome, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Or maybe like a gambling website. I don't know. Ooh. He invented Bitcoin. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, he wouldn't have a degree. I feel like he's like the drop out of college startup type of guy. Like he doesn't, he probably doesn't know any of this shit. He has lawyers and accountants for that. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would invest in like, I would invest all my money in Dogecoin before I would give anything to Lucas's Bitcoin. 
so then her cell phone chimes. She's like, oh, hold on a sec. She looks at it. She's got a notification from Arya. It says, can we meet? I need some advice. And Hannah's like, hey, I'm going to have to call you back. Yes, I nixed the pie charts. All right, I'll talk to you later. Bye. So she hangs up. She's about to start texting back, but then she hears a cell phone ring. And she starts to look around like, oh, where's that ring coming from? And then she finally figures out like, oh, that's Rick's burner phone. So she pulls it out of her purse and kind of cautiously opens it, holds it up to her ear. And we hear apparently the seemingly the voice of Rick in his British accent. He's like, next time you bury someone, make sure they're dead. And that's it. Just click. And Hannah looks around, she's making like extra freaked out Hannah face right now. And then we get the wide shot of her just looking super freaked. It's interesting that this wide shot is like from the stairs that lead to Ezra's apartment. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that means anything or not, but mm-hmm. so if this is not Rick, does AD have like one of those magic voice changers from Scream Three or something like that, uh, where they can like duplicate I'm, anyone's voice? Yeah, I'm really, I'm really curious. I mean, or is Rick like, like, just in case I die, I've recorded some choice audio samples to, you know, do what oh, you want with. I guess I was trying to think, I mean, with technical skills, potentially there could be previous recordings or conversations or something. Like piece it together. Yeah. <laughs> or Rick is just like, next time you bury someone, make sure <laughs> they're dead. My voice is my passport, stupid bitch. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good, good. Good question. I'm trying to remember what is the thing that was this weekend, the like 90210 live script read. Uh, I remember Noel Khan is playing Dylan McKay, which sounds awesome. I can't remember who Brendan Robinson is playing. I want to say it's probably. Oh, he was David. in that? Yeah, he's in it too. I want to say it's probably like David Silver. I'm remembering. Yeah. I get, was it Silver or Silver? I think it's. Is it David Silver? That was Silver. I'll, I'll look it up. But, uh, um, like I've noticed that whenever someone books Brant Doherty, Daughtry, Doherty, I don't know what I'm doing. Brant Doherty. Uh, Brant Doherty for like an appearance. I feel like Brent Robinson comes along. Okay. Like when they were doing that like PLL convention in Arizona or whatever, weren't I want to say that the, they were the two men that were going to make an appearance, which I always thought was weird. Like representing the PLL bros. I can't say that I paid attention to that. It's like it's like if you had like Schwarzenegger and Danny DeVito showing up. Mm-hmm. I guess it is Silver. There is a David Silva though. He's a uh, soccer player. Anyway, right. Uh, so after the commercial, we're at Arya's. Hannah's like pacing back and forth, and uh, Arya, of all people, is trying to calm Hannah down. And she's like, "That voice may have sounded like Rollins, but he's dead. He's really, truly." dead she's like i took the shovel and cut his head off it was awesome <laughs> do you want some of his heart i have some in the fridge i mean i'm oh, a know, vegetarian but honestly like if if it were me and i oh here we go like don't you at least want to make sure i can see spencer being like all right just to be safe i'm putting a little bit of rick in a doggy bag for all of us Ew, no, why? <laughs> no, I'm just no, saying you you position the, the shovel over the neck and you're like, Arya, jump on this. <laughs> it just splash of blood. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, no, I was thinking of that uh, that bit from Archer where they all take a package and bury it in a different part of the uh, city. <laughs> there you go. Um, so Hannah, speaking for the audience, is like, yeah, well, we thought Allie was dead too, remember? And she survived. I mean, back in the 1900s, they used to bury people alive all the time. They used to find scratch marks inside of coffins. And Arya's like, 
Hannah, seriously, you've got to stop reading Wikipedia. Oh, I love that line so much. I mean, that's such a Hannah thing to do. Like, you could just imagine her, like, going down the Wikipedia rabbit hole about, like, freaky murder shit in the middle of the night. Mm-hmm. And she says, uh, Jenna or Mary's trying to torment you by using a voice that sounds like Rollins. They, they probably just want the burner phone back so they can protect their own identity. And I was like, and what if you're wrong? And Arya's like, that almost never happens. Arya's like, the queen can never be wrong, Hannah. Uh, and I was like, you know what he did to me? And that was before I ran into him with a car. We have to tell the police. And Arya's like, tell them what? That you got a phone, call on a phone that you, they don't even know exists? How are you going to explain that? So Hannah's like losing it here. And she's like, I saw him. I saw his eyes and he saw mine. He knows it was me. So Arya tries to comfort her, takes her by the arms. And she's just like, Hannah. Elliot is not going to hurt you anymore. He can't, okay? And just then, Arya's cell phone starts vibrating the coffee table behind them. She turns to check, sees that it's Ezra calling, which <laughs> Hannah takes that opportunity because, of course, Ezra ruins everything. You just know Hannah's just like, oh, fuck this bullshit. Yeah. Sneaks out the front door, and Arya's like, Hannah? Oh. So Arya's forced to decline the call, grab her keys, and, like, head out after her friend. <laughs> um, Hannah's just like, Ezra? Nope. I'm out of here. <laughs> I'm so gone. It's fascinating to me how like how much Arya like does not catch up with Hannah. It takes her a while, yeah. Yeah, I mean like she is seconds, milliseconds behind her. Wouldn't be the first time she's lost time. No, it wouldn't have. Yeah. So then we're gonna speak of the bastard. We're gonna go to the Radley, where Ezra is just like chilling at one of the little like lounge, you know, like clusters of chairs. Listening to Arya's voicemail, and we hear Arya on the phone say, "Hey, you've reached Arya Montgomery," and then just like click, he hangs up. He'd rather pout instead. I just i I looked at the scene and I thought about like all that like Hemingway idea of the writer. Like all I need is like a quiet, well lit place to write. And here's this fucking millennial. Like I'm gonna go to the hotel bar mm-hmm. to process these notes. Why does every other page say you're a predator on them? <laughs> yeah. Then Emily comes over with this drink order. She's like, here's your iced tea. And she kind of says it like with this like shitty grin staring at him. Like, yeah, that's right, motherfucker. <laughs> no boost for you. Ashley Marin's orders. Her pimp hand is still strong. My iced tea tastes funny. It's because mm-hmm. it's from Long Island. Yeah. It's because she peed in it. Uh, <laughs> And Ezra says, oh, thank you. And then she kind of senses he's pouting. And so she's like, is everything okay? And he's like, Some people. yeah. What's that? Some people have real problems, Emily. Yeah. Uh, Emily, she's just like watching him sulk like a broken man. She's just like, you sure? <laughs> <laughs> and he looks up at her almost like menacingly. And he's like, did Arya say something to you? And he's like, no, why? Is something going on with you two? And this is where I started to wonder, like, is it possible that Emily has some sort of masochistic kink where she likes to, like, insert herself into Ezria drama? Hmm. You know. Is this, like, her weird shit? That would be interesting because I want to say it was, like, season two, maybe season three of the podcast where, like, as we were processing the show – I just like started to develop this theory from my observations that Emily just must fucking vomit inside whenever like Ezria comes up. Cause like she just like does like these amazing eye rolls whenever Arya would be like, you guys, <laughs> Ezra's doing this thing. He got a new haircut for me or whatever. And Emily's but what just if like, she wants it. I would love it if she's just straight up trolling him. 
Well, it's like it's like her and Sabrina are hanging out. You know, they're they're talking about their weird fantasies, and Sabrina's just like, "Yeah, like a chick with just like really really long hair. It's just a weird thing." And and Emily's just like, "Yeah, yeah, I really like to hear Arya and Ezra talk about their relationship." And Sabrina's just like, "What? Get out! <laughs> well, That's gross." And then the next day, Sabrina wants to like curry a little favor family, so she starts telling her just stories from working at Ezra for five years. Uh, no, I think the next day they they need a new manager because she she moved towns. She's gone. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, fuck this place. Well, I mean, like I know, God, was it season three or four where I kept I kept getting hung up on like, what the fuck does Paige know about about Arya's relationship? <laughs> Because it's, you know, like all of them are getting together. They have like their little like liar social ball and there's Hannah and Caleb and there's Spencer and unfortunately Toby and there's Emily and Paige. And then it's like Arya brings her boyfriend and I want Paige to be like, that's our English teacher. Yeah, seriously. The fuck is he doing here? <laughs> oh, shit. Emily's just like, hey, Arya, how are things with you and Ezra? Mm-hmm. Go on. Oh, I'd love to hear all about it. Mm-hmm. Remember when you made me read that fucking essay? Yeah, go on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so our Ezra says, no, no, I, I'm good. I, really, I just came here to get some work done. <laughs> and Emily, she kind of takes a hint and walks off, leaves him to, you know, write or whatever. Uh, she picks up some other glasses. She's walking back to the bar, and then she hears the elevator ding. She ding. looks up and sees, oh, there's Shower Harvey. Headed right into the lift there. Sarah's uh, holding a wrapped package like it's a present she got from somebody. Or for somebody, probably. The, the wrapping paper looks like it could be an Aria sweater. I feel like we didn't get a follow-up to what this present is. No. I, I kind of kept a lookout for it. We didn't get anything. Maybe that'll come up in the next episode. Yeah, um, it's just a brand new flute. Yeah. Play this. It, I, you know, it's the size of a flute case. I don't know. Anyway, Emily's watching Sarah go into that elevator. And then over at the bar, the phone rings. Another bartender answers. And he's just like, Radley Bar. And what's the order? What's room number? Room 303. I'll send that right up, Miss Marshall. And Emily looks over at the elevator, the kind of like old-timey floor dial there, and yeah. sees it like, oh, it stopped at floor three. Interesting. I uh, think uh, P.L.O. Sherlock pointed out that episode 303 was uh, Kingdom of the Blind. That's interesting. I would be skeptical of whether or not that's a reference or not. Yeah, I doubt it. Um, well, the, the music here is playing itself like this super dramatic moment, even though we know like Sarah and Jen are already hanging out. You know, it's just like, da 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 da. Yeah. So then we're going to cut to Spencer. She's getting out of her car in a wooded area. She's got Ari on the phone and she says, No, I haven't heard from Anna either. Did you check with him? And she's walking past the camera and we pan over to see, Oh, she's at the Lost Woods Resort. Interesting. And we hear Aria on the phone. It's interesting this whole scene, Aria is just on the phone, probably because this was the one they shot uh, doubled up. Mm-hmm. Um, so we're going to see, I feel like we, we do see more of Spencer and Hannah in this episode because of that, you know, because they shot both episodes at the same time. So Arya's saying, yeah, no sign of Hannah, but she spotted Sarah going to up to Jenna's room. Booty call. <laughs> Booty call. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Spencer says, well, either Jenna and Mary orchestrated that call to Rollins' burner phone and all those bogus charges to his credit card. And sorry, I said Jenna and Mary. It's Jenna or Mary. Uh, anyway, so if I can find his credit card information inside the Lost Woods, maybe I can convince Hannah that The Revenant was just a really twisted movie. <laughs> <laughs> and then Arya, being Arya, is just like, it was based on a true story, Spencer. <laughs> Spencer's like, whatever. 
Uh, I love that we had this like longer shot though, Spencer walking and talking on her way to a and e I really want Spencer to be like, uh, look, first of all, Hugh Glass didn't even have a kid. Uh, <laughs> secondly, Leo is like the third best actor in that movie. Anyway. I want Spencer to like uh, ruminate on the fact that uh, DiCaprio is going to play like Rumi. <laughs> I feel like she's got some thoughts on that. Mm. Um, Arya's like, well, maybe you should wait till we, you get back up. And Spencer's like, it's not me that I'm worried about. Besides, I've already broken into this place. I can get in and out without being detected. <laughs> and she says this as she struts under the big neon sign for the Lost Wizards Resort like it ain't no thing. And Arya's like, just be careful. And Spencer's like, yeah, just find Hannah. So she opens that squealing screen door, lets herself into the, the porch area to that one room that we saw in 701. And it's there that she knows that there's a brand new lock and handle on the door. So she kind of reaches for it. Like, I love that she's just kind of like, oh. <laughs> yeah, Shit. it looks like a pretty serious, like, new metal lock here. Like, not the kind of thing you can, like, pick with standard methods or something. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, Spencer could probably still do this better than Toby. Um, mm-hmm. So she reaches for it, and just as she jiggles it, the door flies open, and there's Mary Drake of a crowbar. And she's shocked and scared, and so is Spencer. Mary Drake's just like, Spencer, I thought you were Elliot. You scared me half to death inside. So she's, like, still stunned, and, like, Mary Drake pulls her inside while she's, like, leaning her head out, glancing her to make sure no one's there. And she's like, come on. So Mary Drake then shuts the door, locks it. Spencer's just surprised to find herself in this room, in this situation with this person. <laughs> the fucking crowbar. I love it. Yeah. And someone, I think Bill like pointed out the, uh, that scene of Noel in her grandma's cabin when she had the crowbar, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, this is fantastic. Further, like maybe these two mother and yeah. daughter. Yeah. The constant parallels. Um, so Mary Drake's like all that security, Allison. I mean, don't get me wrong. It's a good thing, but I'm the one who broke ranks with that bastard. It's me. He wants, she says this as she like walks over to the window on the other side of the room, peeks out of the drapes, see if anyone's there. And Spencer's like, so you believe them? The police that Archer Dunhill's still in the area. And she's like, yes. She's like, have you heard from him? And she asks this as like Mary Drake's like packing a bunch of shit on the bed. Well, I gotta say, Mary's either very paranoid or putting on a very good show right now. It's hard to tell which. I am loving this character more of each episode. I really am. And so uh, she says no. And then uh, she says this. She knows that over her shoulder, Spencer's like peering into like the nearby closet. And she's just like, he's not in there. (laughs) And then she gets and she's like, that's why you're here, isn't it? You're looking for Elliot, one of my lovers. So it's just like, yeah, I just, I thought that if you and he worked together and he would know this place inside and out, it'd be a good place for him to hide. And Is she's he like, one of her lovers? No, I know. I was, I was I, mean, I guess he could You're be. looking for him or one of my lovers is what I meant to say. No, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know. Could be. I mean. Okay. I mean, we'll get to it later. It's very questionable exactly what the fuck is going on with uh, Elliot Rollins. Maybe the continuation of that scene at the end of season six was just like. I now control 50% of Kara's see me and you're going to get Charlotte's money. And then they just like tongue kiss. Basically like Orphan Black. Yeah. Like and, yeah. Yeah. Ooh. Um, Mary Drake's like, well, if he were here, I'd probably be dead already. That man has a temper like you've never seen. And you cross him. Let's just say he handled Alley of kid gloves compared to what he'd do to me. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> Erotic. Spencer moves to the other side of the room, studying Mary and her actions. And she's like, then why are you still here if you're so afraid? Mary says, I needed to get a few things to take back to Allison's. And she says this as she's like rolling up what looks like building plans. Well, in this scene, she's been packing up like her passport, a couple just like suspicious manila envelopes. 
mm-hmm. and like some blueprints. Like I don't know what the fuck she's doing here. Well, it's yeah. like things that Spencer should be asking about. <laughs> yeah, but then they hear like a kind of a clatter outside, and they both tense up. Spencer moves to the door, and Mary's just like, "Spencer, wait, he's dangerous. Don't go out there empty-handed." She hands her the crowbar. Um, I saw some people speculating that like maybe to like get Spencer's fingerprints on this, but I don't know. Mary's are too. I don't know. I don't know what you would do with that, really. And so Spencer's just like, okay. And so she, she kind of nods at Mary, like, all right, I got this. She unlocks the door. She steps out on the porch. Outside, she opens the screen door. She's looking around. And then we kind of hear what sounds like maybe an animal off in the distance. And so Spence looks back at Mary, and she's like, it's okay. There's no one out here. And we see Mary, like, leaning against the door frame, like, big sigh of relief. Like generally unnerved by this, like Rick shit. Seemingly, Spencer seemingly is observing a, a genuinely unnerved Mary Rollins See, or Mary Drake here. The crowbar thing. If she's being truly dubious, and this is all an act. To me, it's not the fingerprints thing. I I can't think of a specific example. I know I've seen this in like a ton of movies or TV shows. But the the move is, if I want to get you into the place of me, like to to gain your trust and like like get you unsuspecting i like hand you a gun or something and be like here take this and just in case and then we get into the place and you realize the gun is empty the whole time yeah that's to me that's oh, no, the, the the move is uh, you're driving and you toss your your you know partner in the passenger seat a uh, grenade with the pin pulled and then out. they have to throw it you say <laughs> now you're an accomplice yeah thanks now you're an accomplice yeah yeah uh, um so elsewhere hannah's just like chilling on the steps outside the rosa police station Arya this, comes this is where you come when you want to have a talk about the murder you did yeah Arya comes storming up to her worried like Arya, how did you not how did you not catch up with her before now she went to see well no she didn't go to see ezra what did she do maybe went to see a movie <laughs> i mean she didn't go to the brew because she's already there Maybe she went to order a cheeseburger suspiciously from, uh, what was that place called? Sausage Heaven? Sausage King? No, no. The name of the bar. Oh, oh, oh. uh, Snookers. Snookers. Yeah. I'm looking for a man. (laughs) Okay. Uh, (laughs) Anyway, Arya storms up and she's like, Hannah, please don't tell me just. And Hannah's just like, don't worry. I didn't go in. And Arya, big sigh. And Hannah's just like, I wanted to, but I've just been sitting here. She looks very sad. Nori kind of watches for a beat, and then she says, so I talked to Spencer. She's starting to believe Mary's story. And it's like, so that leaves us with Jenna. And they tense up because two cops walk by, as happens normally outside the police department. Shockingly. Yeah. And uh, Hannah's just like, wow, it's like we never left. So Ari's going to sit down beside her friend here, and she's like, I know. And then we get this really great shot from behind the two of them. Looking out at the park across the street, uh, I really love the shot. Like it's not often we get like moody, contemplative PLL, but whenever they do it, it's great. Well, and just having them be philosophical and observing the distance between them and the real world. Mm-hmm. Um, I my only complaint is I wish that that the confines of TV allowed them a little more space to let this breathe. As they like yeah. stare at the menagerie of people like living real lives in the so park across the street. You're wishing they had like Sam Esmail's final cut to make all his episodes like 20 minutes too long. For realsies. Mm-hmm. I really do. That'd be awesome. Yeah. He's like, I want you to burn this money as we play Phil Collins. <laughs> so uh, Hannah says, why couldn't we have been like one of those people? And we're looking out 
at this park, we see like there's like a couple with a little girl on a bike. There's like a group of college students. And Hannah says, I'm not saying their lives are perfect. I don't need perfect. I'd settle for boring, functional. Would you really though? Well, or would you get bored? It kind of echoes what Spencer was saying on the couch on the uh, <laughs> the simulacra, the set, and it's sort of five hundred one or in, the, in five hundred one when they're on the uh, the theater. Mm-hmm. You know, she she's thankful for the chaos because she got to meet these girls and be friends with them, but she kind of wishes that she had the boring life. Yeah, so I I, I, I get that. I love that group of students because they look like a college diversity commercial, like studying on the grass there. Um, and so Arya's like, you couldn't be boring if you tried. Hannah says nothing. She clearly appreciates it, even though she's not ready to feel better about all this yet. That's a nice thing to say to your tulpa. Yeah, it is. Or into the mirror where Arya's <laughs> been staring for the last four hours. Arya decides it's time to turn this back to her. And she's just like, Ezra proposed. And Hannah's like, marriage? And Arya, Arya kind of, mm. and Hannah's like, oh, you're not going to go there, huh? <laughs> See, because I, I have your joke written down here. <laughs> I've noticed that we've started to seed the jokes in there just to see if the other falls into that trap. <laughs> no, anal. And it's like, when? And Arya says, last night. And Hannah looks down at Arya's hand, kind of does the math there. Uh, I'm Ron Burgundy. Go yeah. fuck yourself, San Diego. <laughs> and it's like, you said no? And Arya says, I said I'd have to think about it. Oh, I, I almost want to see that conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like staring up. His arm's getting tired holding up this ring. And Arya's just like, I'll think about it? <laughs> what? Uh, so Arya looks over at Hannah and we see <laughs> Hannah. like, I bought $500 of fucking candles. And Arya's like, well, I didn't tell you to do that. <laughs> I lied, Arya. It's $600 of candles. By the way, it doesn't smell like vanilla. It smells like chemicals. <laughs> Do you know what it's like for me, a man, to go in there and say, give me a thousand candles? Some of us have real problems, Arya. I also did that without taking my cell phone with me. <laughs> so Arya looks over to Hannah. who see Hannah's like kind of fidgeting with her own ring now. Her mm-hmm. fake ring, obviously. And Arya says, I-, I can't promise Ezra forever when my future could be spent behind bars. We killed someone, Hannah. Right out in front of this police station, I'm telling you that. Uh, we can't just walk away from that. And now AD knows. Ezra wants a marriage, a wife, not conjugal visits. Ezra is begging for conjugal visits, Arya. Also, I was just thinking, you know, quick note on the we killed someone business. Mm-hmm. Is there a version of this show, and I don't know if this is like a writer thing, is it a freeform thing? Like, is there a version of this show where like somebody isn't too protective about preserving the liar's virtue? Where like they actually do intentionally murder someone, rather than it just being like an accident. Hmm. And and would that show would that serve the show better? I wonder. Like if it was something where like like Hannah confronted this guy and like shot him, she's just like, no, you're not getting away with this, or you know. Well, I think in general they they, they try to justify actions stuff. I mean, I could see if it was something where. The liars did some really fucked up shit from from jump, like from the pilot, you know, like uh, like like a Breaking Bad thing, where it's like like well, that's who they're going to be from the very beginning. I don't want to suggest that they're just like purely evil, but more just that they're not. Like I I think they want in the narrative they want the liars to believe like oh no we killed someone, but like really it was kind of an accident. Like you really yeah. have to 
to stretch your brain to consider that a murder. You want something where like a season later a character can say, yeah, I killed him and I'd do it again. Yeah, yeah, something like that. I don't know. Something I was thinking about. But anyway. And I hope they all burn in hell. (laughs) Yeah, Hannah Samuel Jackson from uh, Time to Kill. (laughs) (laughs) Hannah says, maybe that's not your decision to make. Maybe it's his. Oh my God. Whenever they do the, uh, like they're doing it to 90210 and they do like the live script read for PLL, like remember that show, guys? And they get mm. the celebrities to come do it. They get Samuel Jackson to oh, do yeah. Hannah. Hannah knows what Hannah means, motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. So uh, maybe it's his and everyone in the audience is just like, ew. Uh, <laughs> and Ari says, does that mean that Jordan, you told Jordan what happened? And Hannah doesn't answer, but basically her silence says no. No, she didn't. No, she won't. And Ari's like, I mean, I guess that's why I, I texted you earlier. I mean, if you guys can make it work, then maybe. And then Hannah just like straight up pulls her ring off and throws it away. And Ari's just like, Hannah, what are you? And Ari like jumps up. She's got to go get that ring. And Hannah stops her. She's like, no, it's over. And Ari's like, it's a diamond. I'm going to hawk that shit and buy loads of Coke with it. It's a conflict diamond, mm-hmm. Hannah. That's important. And Hannah's just like, no, it's not. <sighs> I gave Jordan his ring back and I bought a fake one. Uh, so I wouldn't have to tell people the truth. He broke up. And then Arya makes like a Michaela Maroney face here. Like, hmm. <laughs> and she's like, you didn't want Spencer to know? And Han's like, or my mom or a caterer. I mean, she's really invested. And Arya's just like, Han. And Han says, listen to me. Jordan and I were not meant to be. I know that now. But you and Ezra... That's a whole different story. You guys are straight up gross. Uh, don't let this be how it ends. And she kind of glanced at her empty ring finger and Arya nods. Uh, it's like, all right, that's enough of your problems, Hannah. And Arya's like, come on. Uh, so they get up and then we get a nice like wide shot from across the street as we see them like walk off from the police station. And it's a neat shot because it this looks like it could be the end of the scene. But then, like, slowly the camera just, like, it's like we just hold this shot for longer than we need to. And then the camera starts to, like, kind of drift and pan over to reveal in the foreground as a patrol car. And in that patrol cop car, there's a cop with, like, some Matrix glasses on. And he has, like, a creepy, weird, like, bald head and face, which looks like it could be a mask. It's it's fascinating because you, you register it, but you don't really know what you're registering um, so two things. I think we're we've long been on record that we we keep hoping that Michaela Maroney would have made a cameo on PLL by now. Um, Do you see, you she's have, like trying to be like a, a music artist. God bless her. Get out mm-hmm. there. Get out there in the spotlight. I mean, if they can have like Missy Franklin, why not Michaela Maroney? Mm-hmm. But uh, when Hannah threw the ring away, I as watching it, I couldn't stop thinking about Bill Murray and the the diamond earring in Life Aquatic. <laughs> those men were damn fools um so after the commercial ezra is still like chilling in the rally bar lobby taking a break from his notes and his writer work he like caresses his phone which is face down the armrest of the chair he thinks about aria and strum someone struts over to him and we hear the familiar voice of hey it's caleb ezra looks up at him and there's caleb standing there with a drink in one hand his bag in the other and ezra's like hey caleb well ezra- why, why do you think ezra's here is it just because aria was at the brew yeah, probably. But can't you just work in your office? Yeah, seriously. Or your secret Ravenswood apartment. Is is he one of those guys that can only write when somebody's watching him? <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. When waitresses keep asking him, you sure nothing's wrong? 
Um, he's like, hey, Caleb. Caleb's like, am I interrupting? And Andrew's like, oh, no, 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 no. Take a seat. So Caleb like sets his bag down and kind of like rests his ass in the back of the couch and Ezra's on, just making himself comfortable. And Ezra's like, what's in the bag? Are you coming or going? Caleb's like, I'm trying to figure that out, actually. I got my car. Thinking I might head back to D.C. Or, or New York. And you ended up back in Rosewood. Yeah. Funny how that happens. And they chuck over that. And then now Ezra has to tackle the sensitive subject, the, the sensitive elephant in the room. And he's just like, what about you and Spencer? We, uh, I don't know. I don't know what we are right now. So Caleb takes a sip of his drink and Ezra's like, because of Hannah? Because of mind your own fucking business. No, he says, because of a lot of things. <laughs> uh, he just kind of like nods his head, looks back down at the notepad or whatever's in Ezra's lap. And he says, you know, sometimes I think I know everything about this place. And then other times I feel like you could write me a book about everything I don't know. I mean, not you, Ezra, specifically, but someone. Someone could write that book for me, I'm sure. Ezra sighs and he's just like, yeah, well, I'll let you know when I'm ready to write the sequel. <laughs> just like, as soon as he murders another woman. Yeah. yeah like, <laughs> it's just like, okay, editors, just picture this mass hit. Femicide Rising 2, Too Fem, Too Furious. <laughs> yeah. Femicide Rising 2, Armageddon. <laughs> um, and Caleb's like, don't you feel like that, though? Like there's something they're not telling us. And Ezra's like, like what? I don't know. It's just a feeling. So it's a weird point to bring up, a little suspicious now that it's out there. Caleb changes the subject. and he's Well, like, I wonder, maybe Caleb was confused for a second and thought Ezra was the kind of guy who was like worth a damn at observing the world around him. No. But yeah, obviously not. So oh, it's The like, writer? No. Yeah. And so Caleb's like, and what about you? How's your novel coming? And Ezra's like, good, I think. I'm uh, on my last round of notes. And Caleb's like, <laughs> just happy. Just figuring out how to make the Predator character more sympathetic. I think I'll give him some dad issues. Also, don't tell anyone. Keep it under your hat. Another dead girlfriend. Um, <laughs> Caleb's like, they're a happy ending. And Ezra's like, yeah, I'm working on it. And I then, like Ezra should just be like, well, define happy. I mean, yeah, I'm working on it. I just want to know, is there anyone in, in the world ever who watched this scene and was like, Ezra and Caleb, I'm suddenly shipping it. No. I, um, I guess there's probably somebody out there. But. but can you imagine like this, that weird meaty fan fiction about that mysterious three weeks when they were all in the dollhouse? And Ezra I, think, and Caleb? I mean, I think the, the angle you go there is that Caleb is basically emotionally abusive to Ezra. And he just treats him like shit. And Ezra's so desperate for a friend that he just takes it. So it starts one night when like Ezra's like keeps he rubbing like his knuckles that he punched into the wall <laughs> and Caleb's getting him ice and then like Caleb in the back of his mind. No, Caleb he, wouldn't get him ice. What would he do? He'd nag him. He'd be like, get yourself some ice, you pussy. So basically Ezra becomes the little dog, the Goya mm-hmm. little dog and Caleb just takes him for a walk and then beats the shit out of him. Basically, emotionally yeah. mm-hmm. so Caleb kind of smirks at Ezra and he scratches the back of his head and stares at his phone some more well Ezra just like stares off like we we cut away here but how does this conversation end does Caleb just slowly walk away right now he's yeah. just like uh, yeah good talk <laughs> like, gets the fuck out of there Thank, thanks for that Caleb by the way he's like just drinking a scotch this whole time just waving it in Ezra's face yeah I'm yeah man. actually Merritt doesn't mind me you know what adults do? They drink alcohol. They drink them in public where they're allowed to, unlike you. Um, I just had to double check because I actually kind of forgot. Uh, Elijah Barras actually co-wrote the 601 premiere of I, Marlene King, which was mm-hmm. 
like the last significant Ezra and Caleb <laughs> moment together. So I guess if anyone has a, a handle on these two, these two together. I it's mean. been five years since we had a scene together. Not long enough. <laughs> I don't want to be in the same league of ex-boyfriends of you, Ezra. I really don't. Your book sucks, by the way. Um, so meanwhile, in a, a Holloway upstairs at Rally, uh, Emily rounds the corner carrying two drinks on a tray. She's two John to, Collinses. Yeah. Extra she, uh, sour. Yeah. She has a specific guest room, and here in the hallway, we can already hear that flute playing because, oh shit, this is going to go down. Uh, Jonathan playing the flute. This is like Christmas in August. Like, this whole season is just like, we're going to give you what you want. Yeah. Yeah. Good, we're going to give good you Jonathan playing the flute. Well, to the extent at, of which we can, because quick digression, I love that after this episode airs, Joseph Doherty tweeted something innocuous like, man, Lindsay Sean uh, and Shay Mitchell are really great actors. <laughs> And people were just like, how dare you let us have Emerson? Well, I mean, I you know, there's camps of shippers. I'm sure there's plenty of Paley fans out there who that's what they want. So, you know. Can't we just enjoy this one moment? Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, she knocks on the door because the doors are crack open. The music pauses and we hear Jenna say, it's open. Well, the music doesn't pause. It just like immediately stops. <laughs> I was yeah. Like, yeah. yeah. So Emily heads inside. Um Inside this room slash suite, uh, there's Jen on the couch playing her flute, and she's just like, you can set it on the coffee table. Thank you. So Emily says nothing, sets the two drinks on the coffee table. Jenna goes back to playing her music, so Emily just casually struts over to the desk where the laptop is open. Oh, I love I love the brazenness of it. Yeah, it's I know. Just- <laughs> Jenna doesn't think there's anything weird about their waiter not saying anything. Or leaving. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So then on the computer, we see there's a website page open for some rental cars in Baltimore. Intriguing. I mean, that definitely suggests that jenna thing is the one like continuing the false trail for rollins there which would have been interesting to see her do that i mean personally do that mm-hmm. uh so i'm like hmm. she uh, closes the website page sees on the desktop that there's a folder marked charlotte de laurentis and he's like what the fuck and then Sarah fucking Harvey comes back in the room from the balcony saying, I left him a message. And then she sees Emily there who's caught. And Sarah comes over and immediately pushes that laptop shut. And she's just like, hello, Emily. And then Jenna puts her flute down. She's very upset. She's got a hard edge in her voice. And she's like, Emily, what are you doing here? She was looking at your computer. <laughs> yeah, great body language here. Jenna doesn't get up. Sarah like kind of comes over to, to gain Jenna's favor. But then... Emily comes and stands in front of Jenna, too. It's like they're competing with each other. Yeah. Um, and Emily says, Someone- well, I'll, I'll say, before we get to this, if you really want to have fun, just imagine this is taking place like an Old West saloon, <laughs> and they're like pointing like six shooters at each other while Jenna's still holding a flute. Or mm-hmm. just imagine this is all happening in like Sam Spade's apartment and like Jenna, Sydney Greenstreet, and Sarah Harvey's Peter Laurie. Because I like that a lot. Well, you know, Emily's got the suspenders on. She could have like the, uh, the like shoulder holster. Yeah. I think that works. Yeah, as they argue over the, the statue of the bird. Yeah, mm-hmm. so Emily says, uh, someone has threatened us again, and I think it's you. Jenna's How? like, really? How come? <laughs> and Emily says, because you're here in Rosewood, and you're putting on a concert for her. <laughs> Poor shower. Yeah, she's so disgusted by that. She's just like, we're not threatening you, Emily. I know you don't believe me, but I really was looking out for you. I care about you. All we're doing is looking for the same thing you are. Stop talking, Sarah. That's enough. What Sarah meant to say is, mind your own damn business, Emily. <laughs> oh, that, uh, Did you see the thing about the vignettes in this scene? 
Yeah, that, that, that we might actually be seeing like Jenna's POV that she might actually be able to see. Well, whenever we get a shot, looking up Jenna, like like from seemingly from Jenna's, not necessarily like perfect POV, but like her side of things. Mm. There's a vignette on it, mm. as though it's her, you know, seeing Hazley or whatever. And it, they're not there on the other shot. So I, I, who knows? Maybe it could just be like a stylistic choice or something, or yeah. or maybe to suggest that she maybe she does see a little. Or maybe that the whole scene takes place in a mental hospital. Yeah. And uh, Sarah's the guard now. <laughs> um, I'm the guard. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, where were we? Emily it's says. It's about to get hot in here. You shouldn't have looked. Oh, I'm sorry. I told you not to look. Uh, Emily says, this is my business, Jenna. What I'm confused about is how you're involved. Elliot Rollins is a fraud. And somehow you knew his real identity before anyone else. And Jenna's just like making pouting faces here. Mm-hmm. And what I find interesting is that Shower's watching all this. Like maybe this is new info to her. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's just like the police are looking for anyone with information. I can give them your name or you can explain to me what the hell is going on. And we get a nice tight close up on the Jenna thing here. And she's like, the truth? Charlotte was my friend. Say what? And then we blur into a flashback. I find it interesting that we we do the blur there. Maybe it's because it's Jenna thing. Maybe, maybe. Mm-hmm. I just I would like the confirmation that this is new information to Sarah. I want Sarah to be like, new shit has come to light. <laughs> uh, yeah. So in our flashback, yeah. we're in R- Doctor- R.I.P. the Big Lebowski. Seriously, strong men also cry. Um, in our flashback, we're in Doctor Rick's office at Welby back in the day, and there's Rick. I noticed that my autocorrect keeps changing it to Eric. Mm-hmm. Um, Rick is sitting at his desk holding his uh, Dr. Elliot Rollins nameplate in his hand just admiring it like a little excited goon and Jenna's like sitting in the chair opposite the desk and Charlotte's like sitting on the desk like closer to Rick and so Jenna says so everything's working out well with you two and Rick using his natural accent is like it certainly is and Charlotte just seems so happy and she's just like and we have you to thank yeah she's leaning on the desk like smiling she seems so happy Rick's smiling at her too and then his phone rings Picks up the receiver and kind of grins at Charlotte, just kind of like, oh, watch this, babe. And then he drops into the American accent, and he's like, Dr. Rollins speaking. I'll be right there. And then he hangs up in his British accent. He's like, duty calls, I'm afraid. So he gets up and sighs. He's like, wait here. And they kind of have like a little quick kiss, and then he goes to the door, but she stops him. She's like, Archie, wait. I love that she calls him Archie. Mm-hmm. It's like her her little you know pet name. Archie, wait. I can't thank you enough for being here. I don't know what I would have done without you. And he smiles and he's just like, I know, but I'm here now and I love you. And he smiles again. They kiss some more and then he takes off and Charlotte's just glowing here. She kind of giggles to herself and closes the door. And This uh, office, by the way, is like four times the size of the office. The guy, the guy who was supposedly Rick's superior like five episodes ago. Sure. Yeah. Uh, and then we cut back to Jenna, who's seemingly like like she kind of like takes in a breath as though she was holding her breath that whole time or something. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's a her whole performance is fascinating. I mean, yeah. I know we talked about this before, but she's so unnerving. Like I think it's something about like the stillness of her performance. Like she'll just sit there without moving, her like walking cane, like very conspicuously jutting out in the way of other people. Well, she's she's very still, but also very over the top. Well, it's like she waits time. until it's her time to speak, and then she just commands the room. Yeah. Well, like it's like she plays it like if she was like Susan Lucci and a mannequin at the mm-hmm. same time, 
and also a, a demon from hell. Um, so yeah, it's just just lady talk now. And Charlotte's like, so. And Jen's like, so. I was hoping you to bring you more good news. And Charlotte's like, about my birth mother. Did you find her? And Jen says, no, nothing yet. But I, I promise you, I will find her. So Charlotte's mm-hmm. clearly disappointed by this. She takes it in stride, changes the subject, and she's just like, she's coming today to meet the new doctor. And Jenna's, Jenna's well, I like how like this. bitter Jenna gets. Like at the mere mention of uh, old Big A, there she's like Allison. Well, like like yeah, like someone just brought up Superman at like Lex Luthor's party. Mm-hmm. And Charlotte says she's not the same person that you remember. Archie needs to win her trust. Convince her that I'm doing better. Allison is the only chance I have getting out of here. And Jenna's like, well, he is a charmer. He should throw in a few compliments. Allie loves a suck up. Always has. And Charlotte just kind of like lets that one roll right off her. She picks up an arrangement of those purple flowers that uh, we've been seeing since 611, you know, the mysterious murder flowers here. Mm-hmm. And she kind of moves them over to like a, I don't know, better spot. And Charlotte says, Archer can handle it. He knows everything about me, my family, my upbringing, everything I've done, everything. And she takes like a big breath. Like she's so overcome with this unexpected happiness. Like she's, she loves this guy so much, you know, and Charlotte's just like, and he loves me. He wants me out of here as much as I do. And Jenna's like, well, you're lucky. That kind of love is rare. Which, like, is there an insinuation there? Like, I don't think anyone's really loved Jenna like that. Uh, I, I well, mean, Shauna probably I, did. Maybe, yeah. I, I, I never, it was always, I mean, we got Shauna's side of that. I don't know, it didn't feel like we ever really got Jenna's side, I guess. I mean, maybe she felt that way. We just never saw it. Anyway, Charlotte says, I'm lucky to have you too. Gotta throw a little sugar to Jenna there. And they smile at each other. And then Jenna turns away. And we do kind of like a match cut as we blur out of the flashback back to uh, Jenna in that tight close up. Mm-hmm. And Emily's like, So you got Archer into Welby. And Jenna says, I knew someone who helped Archer get a passport and new identity so they could be together. No con. No con. Uh, I know a lot of people are like, Ren, but wouldn't Noel Khan be the more obvious person yeah. there? He's got secrets too, you guys. Oh, he's got like the passport machine or whatever. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's previously talked about how he wants to, what was it, see uh, Allison and, and Charlotte kiss? That's true, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Now you two make out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And Emily says, and how exactly did your friendship with Charlotte begin? I just wanted Charlotte to be like, that's silly, Noel. We're sister cousins. Mm-hmm. Jenna says, I read about her, Emily, wasting away in that hospital, so I reached out. I figured she'd welcome a visit, even from a stranger. But you see, I wasn't a stranger. Mona had told her everything about me. I was a celebrity. Even Sarah Harvey is thinking, man, that's nuts. Or maybe just, like, I wonder if she's thinking, like, wow, that whole grooming process with Charlotte sounds very familiar. Uh, And Jenna says, but now she's gone, murdered. A few weeks after it happened, I reached out to Archer. And guess who answered his cell phone? And now it's like time for Jenna to turn the table. She stands up right in Emily's face. And she's like, you think the cops want to talk to me? As far as I can tell, you and your little friend are the last people to see Archer just before he, poof, he disappeared. Maybe they should ask you where he is. And Emily's just like, well, your guess is as good as mine. Like, very unconvincingly. And Jenna just makes this like hilarious, like bullshit shrug and like plots back on the couch. And then Sarah here, she grabs the, the tray from the desk and she kind of like shoves it at Emily. It's like she's trying to hustle her out of here. And she's like, sorry, go ahead. You should go, Emily. 
<laughs> and so Emily yanks the tray away and she takes off. And then we cut out to the hallway. Sarah follows Emily outside to kind of have a more private chat here. Do not come back here. Is that a threat? I'm trying to keep you safe, Emily. I want you to be safe. Please don't come back. Meanwhile, we see Jenna is still in that room, sitting on the couch, like listening in on this. And Emily says, okay, look, I'm not afraid of Jenna. I'm not talking about Jenna. I'm talking about. And Jenna's like, Sarah, I need you oh, shit. now. <laughs> so yeah, Sarah has to look back. Uh, just like, fuck, she's pissed. <laughs> uh, so she goes back inside and leaves Emily just feeling even more confused than before. Mm. So what do we make of that whole revelation there? I mean, there's a lot to unpack. Uh, I mean, yeah, you definitely miss the shower so much. You definitely get the sense the shower has. She's reacting to new info. Yeah. New shit has come to light. But like, she's realized that she's such a small part of this machine and like not a part that has a happy ending, I think. Oh, when she hustled Emily out of there, I did get the sense that she was being sincere. Like, I felt like she wanted Emily out of there because she was worried. Not about Emily, but for Emily, maybe. Yeah. It, 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 perhaps, like, maybe, like, like a piece just fell into place in her mind, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. It, it wasn't, like, bitchy. It was, like, generally worried, gen, you know, like, really concerned. Um, so, and then Jenna's story here, why was she friends with Charlotte? Like, Cece bonked her over the head and left her to drown. Mm. Like, did Charlotte somehow... I mean, do they like bury the hatchet on that, or do you like manage to like blame it on Allie, or yeah, I'm gonna like one of the liars maybe or something? Yeah, I, assumingly, seemingly like Jenna just never knew. Well, Shauna thought she did. Shauna, Shauna in that episode at the end is like, oh, Jenna's afraid of Cece. So at yeah, some point, true. Charlotte was able to like work in like an alternative narrative there or something. I don't know. Uh, Which she's kind of good at. Yeah. Which all of the the A's so far have been good at. I mean, again, you know, Mona wanted just to have friends and she was like busy trying to like frame Melissa Hastings. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, speaking of Mona, it really makes me wonder if Charlotte was the other member of that secret cabal from 505. Oh, that'd be fantastic. The 100th episode. I mean, doesn't that make the most sense? Yeah. If she somehow managed to convince them that like, no, Allie turned on me too, guys. Like, I'm going to be part of your team. Yeah. Uh, I mean uh, – could she be the person behind the Yeah, she would have glass? to be behind the four house of glass, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that'd be good. I mean, because we saw Noel Khan turn on Allie in the same way, so it's not that much of a stretch, really. Right. And that um, could be, yeah, when it definitely happened. I mean, Which obviously, is, I, I feel like Noel Khan must have been the one to get Rick his papers. Right? Oh, yeah. I mean, that, that would be – it would be crazy to me to not have that be the case, especially since you now know Noel Khan is back in town. Yeah, so. yeah. Well, it, it um, seems like Jenna is covering Rick's escape here by continuing his false trail. We don't know why exactly. But, I mean, again, I, I feel like Jenna is, is in no way like AD or Uber A or anything. She's clearly just a person who's in it for her own personal. I feel like there's a B team. Yeah. And right now that B team is like Jenna, Nolcon, Shower Harvey, maybe Mary Drake, maybe not. Like Rick was on that team. We don't really know whose side Mary Drake is on right now. I feel like like Mary Drake's on her own B team, her own B squad. But Jenna's like perpetually captain of the B team. She's always with like the yeah. uh, 
the alternates. Um, well, and it also it kind of seems like from from this flashback and from the last flashback of Charlotte, maybe she really didn't know that Elliot was seducing Allie that whole time. Yeah. Well, like, and so that will come up again later in this episode. But I'm still curious, like. Was Charlotte on board with that? Like, was the plan for her, for Elliot always to kind of like, not just win her over, but like cement winning her over to be Charlotte's advocate in the legal process? Well, I guess what you see right now is that it, it could go either way. It for From Charlotte's side, maybe the plan was, oh, seduce Allie, or maybe it was just be nice to my sister. And she didn't realize how far it went. Like, it kind of seems like maybe Elliot was, like, playing both sides against each other here. Yeah. Like, he has a secret partnership with Mary, totally separate from his plan with Charlotte. Like, Charlotte may not have even known that Mary Drake was out there. Or not not that she was out there, but that he was in contact with her, you know? Well, and then, of course, we will get to the last name debate. All right. So then we're going to cut to a close-up shot of Spencer's phone in its leather case there. It chimes and we see a hand turn it over to show us a text from Hannah that says, can we talk? Uh, we see Spencer is looking at this text. She's in the dining, she's at the uh, dining table down the hall in the bar in there. She slowly sets the phone back down and then we hear a voice call off screen. It's Caleb's voice. It says, uh, you need to take that. She looks over and then joins him on the couch. Uh, we see uh, she's kind of switched to just like the ditch a trench coat, just like the button-up shirt, the tight jeans, and she says, no, that's all right. And the camera follows her around the corner, and she pops down next to Caleb. Big sigh. There's a lot of emotion in the air. I guess Caleb has finished camping now. And Caleb says, I'm so sorry, Spencer. She's watching him very closely, like her eyes are darting all over. Like One of the great things about these Spalab drama scenes is that neither character really is totally sure of what the other is thinking. Mm. And so you see them like constantly searching the other's face to like, try to like pick up a signal. Like, am I on the right track? Like what's going on with you? I love the way their eyes like constantly search each other. Mm -hmm. It's like, you were right. I am confused. And she just nods. Like this is definitely the acceptance stage here. (laughs) I never meant. I know. A lot goes unsaid. They nod to each other and Spencer's wiping her eyes. Not for the last time in this scene. And it's just, look, we both made mistakes. You kissed Hannah, and I almost fucked a guy in an elevator. Uh, no, she says, uh, and I'm not saying that's okay, but I really don't regret trying. You don't? She shakes her head, more tears, but she's still smiling at him, uh, which maybe makes him feel worse. And she says, when Toby and I broke up, I didn't date anyone for a really, really long time. <laughs> And nothing serious anyway. You know, it's just nothing ever stuck. Just random hookups and elevators. Nothing ever measured up, you know, like girth-wise. Eggplant emoji. Yeah, I got it. (laughs) Uh, She says, it was like my, and she starts crying again. You know, my heart had just stopped. And I felt that way for a really long time. Until you. Oh, Spence. (laughs) He tries to lean closer, but she's got this. She's she's smiling through the tears. She's like, "No, it's it's good. I'm saying it's it's a good thing, okay? Because I I hurt." And she kind of laughs. She's like, "Believe me, I hurt, but I I get to remember what it felt like to be in love again." And he can really only nod at that. Like he feels bad, but the writing's on the wall. So he takes her hands one last time for some hashtag hand stuff. Sensual 
or is hashtag sensual goodbye hand stuff. Mm-hmm. She nods and you can see him like winding himself up like he wants to say something, but he's just got nothing. Like there's nothing really to say here. So she just lets out a big sigh and she says, I think you should probably go. Okay. So they pull their hands apart. They stand up. This is it. More sighs, more awkwardness. And she says, bye, Caleb. Bye. All right, peace, Caleb. Yeah. He's grimacing, but she's still smiling. Like, so he smiles back, you know, trying to, trying to, you know, be nice about it. Gets this jacket and leaves, and she's just going to stand there in the living room, like, crying, but seemingly at peace with it. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, mean, another heart-wrenching scene, especially since it starts with that Hannah text. Like, yeah. Hannah's always there in some way. <laughs> and it almost makes me think, like, if they could go back, knowing what they know, when we had the Ring of Fire scene when they first, like, couple on that couch... Would they have had it happen under like a giant portrait of Hannah or something? But I mean, BTW, Halo Shippers, Spencer is literally dying on the cross for all of us sinners out here. I mean, they all are in a way, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, poor Spencer. I mean, I'm, at I'm least just, she can feel again. I'm glad, you know. We we joke about elevator hookups, but Spencer can do whatever she wants. But uh, I I'm glad because on another show, I feel like they would have had Caleb get up and stop and just be like, hey. By any chance, is there something you're not telling me? Because <laughs> seriously, I actually saw an emo- emotional connection with Ezra earlier. I mean, fuck my life. Yeah. Well, I feel like this is perhaps the best possible outcome you could get from all this. Mm-hmm. Like if you had to put him back with Hannah, you had some well-earned drama and there's some real wounds, but they're all still friends, like somehow, amazingly. And I think that's mostly just due to like how strong the friendship is between Hannah and Spencer that they're just they're not going to allow this to like ruin them. Plus, there's still a chance for like uh, some Bob and Carol and Ted and Alice. Who's the Ted? Not Pastor Ted, I hope. Fuck no. <laughs> it's just like, don't worry, I got a pill. The force Fuck this. Over. I'm leaving. <laughs> the foursome's over, and he's like, I'm just going to finish my coffee. <laughs> I'm staying, <laughs> finishing my coffee. <laughs> yeah. So after commercial, we're going to cut to a close up. Uh, what we'll find out is Allie's hands is like holding this pendant of uh, like a ballerina figurine, like turning this pendant around on a silver chain. And then we hear Allie's voice say, welcome back. And then we rack focus to reveal Mary walking into the room in the background here. Mary has like a very stern poker face on. She's looking around and she's just like, you went through my bags because we're at we're at Allie's place here. Uh, I think this is just like the living room, and like all like Jessica's shit is like on the couch. Like she's gone through like all of her stuff. Mm. And Allie says, "You should know better than to take my mom's things." And she's like sitting over in a chair, like not even looking that way, like playing with this necklace, full like queen bitch Allie mode. Mm. And Mary's like, "We both know the conditions of your release from Weldy, but if you want me gone." Allie's like, I'd like you to explain a few things. Gaps in your story. Very meta line there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Marlene, have a seat. <laughs> and Mary just kind of glares as she goes back to like repackaging, repacking her shit here. She says nothing. Allie says, you said he never met Charlotte. Mary oh. says, yeah, Mary says, yes. And Allie says, when I met her, she went by a different name. CeCe Drake. 
Well, Mary turns around like this just hit her like a ton of bricks. Oh, shit. Allie says, I wonder how she got the name Drake if she meant if she never met you. Charlotte called herself CC Drake. Yeah, Mary's just blown away by this. And Allie's just glaring at her. Uh, Mary, it's like she drops the sweater she's holding. Her knees buckle like she has to sink down to the couch. I, I didn't know that. I honestly, we never met. Truly, I don't know how she ended up with that name, except that maybe, maybe she knew about me. Or maybe, maybe it was because it was your mom's maiden name too. I kind of agree with people that her reaction would not indicate that. I guess. I don't know. Of all the weird mysteries they could have on the show, this one seems like the weirdest to me. It's such like a obvious explanation. Drake is like a pretty common last name. It's like, yeah, but your name is Johnson too. Oh my God. Yeah. But I, I, I think if it was just a maiden name, I don't think Mary would have been that surprised because she yeah. would just, well, the way they're reacting. Guessed. Yeah. It just seems weird to me that like they feel the need to explain this one away, you know, like never well, mind that Wilden would have been 13 in that scene, but yeah, let us explain the Drake situation. <laughs> But, you know, though, like a lot of people, myself included, we did have that oh shit reaction at the end of 620 when we found out that this was Mary Drake because we were like, oh, fuck, that means there's so much more going on of like the CC Drake thing. He did? Yeah, yeah. To um, me, it was just like, of course her name is Drake. Obviously. Like, like what, of course, if Jess got a sister, her name would be Drake. To me, that was like so obvious. I, I guess it's just me. Obviously, but either way, it worked beautifully for the introduction of Mary. Mm-hmm. As Mary was that sudden piece that, like, you didn't think that they were ever going to reveal that quadrant of the puzzle, but like, it was like, boom, there's this missing piece here that might bring all this together in a really weird way. Um, so Mary's just like, Jessica told her, or she found out, I don't know. And she kind of hangs her head, fighting tears. She begins to like paw at her waist. She lifts up her top to reveal a big vertical scar below her belly button. And she's like, This is from Charlotte, from her birth. Well, then Allie's face is just like, gross. (laughs) Mary says, the doctor was impatient. After a while, he just cut me open and took the baby out. Oh, then she just really starts to blubber here. Yeah. I didn't even get to hold him. (laughs) Uh, She's like holding her hands and her face in her hands crying. Jessica took my child from me. She took my baby just like she took everything else. Just like she took that necklace when we were children. When she points and like stares crazily at Allie's hands here as we rack focus back to the pendant in the foreground and then Allie's like holding up, pondering. And uh, Allie frowns like maybe she's starting to doubt her own convictions about Mary here. Like maybe Mary isn't up to something. I mean, go with your first instinct, Allie. Like I, I put me down in the camp. Mary is like next level bullshitting right now. I don't trust her at all. Like she's like, oh, you're suspicious, Allie. Let me distract you with an emotional epiphany. God bless her if she's doing it. I mean, I really mm. like Mary Drake. I love Andrea Parker's performance as her. If this character ends up being doing master bullshit or if she ends up being truly evil, I feel like I'm totally on board with that just because I'm connecting with her in a lot of ways. Mm. Um, and if it's a lie, I feel like it's born out of real emotional pain that is tied to Jessica. Well, I think she probably has plenty that she can tap into. To sell a lie if she needs to. You know, she can she can massage the truth because there's probably plenty of real emotions tied up in her past. Well, I mean, the, the, one of the things for me is, you know, I hate when it's revealed that this is a character who's 
whatever not the normal thing and therefore they're the villain um because it implies that people who are not the normal thing are going to be evil mm-hmm. yeah. um and then i come from the other angle sometimes where aka white rose yeah i come from the other angle sometimes where i'm i'm pleased ex- examining when people have been wronged for whatever reason maybe because they're not the normal thing or like this mary jessica situation i'm always interested in like what does a person eventually do to like take back their own power like mm-hmm. how does how does somebody become a fucking jenna thing you terrorize some teenage girls that's uh, what you quite, do quite possibly and it's it, her story is <laughs> interesting. just like that's right <laughs> yeah fist bump um Oh, that'll be his like comeback MRA novel. Um, what, fist but, bump? Yeah, it was called Fist Bump. <laughs> A man's journey to masculinity. <laughs> I mean, because I feel like he's going to check the uh, the Wikipedia and find out that my struggle has been taken. <laughs> Damn. Really thought that was a good idea. Anyway. Uh, uh, but I was just going to say, uh, uh, I, I like her story in the sense that it, it, it stays true to PLL that women – might have issues with each other. They might go to lengths with stuff, but like a man will like fuck up your body. Like he'll, he'll do terrible things to you. Cut your body open, take your baby. Yeah. Yeah. Give them to your evil sister. Uh, so then we got to the saddest pile of half melted white pillar candles ever. Yeah. Seriously, that was $700 of candles. Seriously, those candles are like $25 each. I mean, have you been to Yankee candle? They don't fuck around there. Uh, so you know, obviously, you know, he spent like, Three hours, like the sales girl just like mm-hmm. had him sniff all of them. Mm-hmm. He told her, he's like, well, let me tell you what I'm looking for. And like he started at the beginning, like the, the poor teenage girl that he's mm-hmm. been terrorizing with romance. And she's like, this is for an engagement. You want to marry this girl? Yeah. I need a good candle. So we're at Ezra's place, obviously. <laughs> we hear a knock at the door and uh, the camera stays on these sad ass candles as we kind of see – the blurry figure of Ezra walked by in the background and opened the door for Arya. And Arya's like, hey. And he's like, hey, come in. And Arya says, I'm sorry I didn't call you back. And she walks in. And the camera, like, almost reluctantly turns its attention away from these candles to, like, move and refocus over on the Ezra situation here. And yeah, he, it's it's a, it's a surprise considering where the storyline ends, I feel like. Well, we'll get to that later. Yeah. Uh, so Ezra shuts the door and then he's turns back. Like he's very eager, you know, and he's just like, well, you're, you're here now. And Ari's just like, "Ah." (laughs) can I just say something? Like he can't even wait for her to speak her piece. He's got to jump in. Yeah. Like he does a lot of talk in this relationship. I'm just, I'm just staring at the dragon the whole time. Indeed. Uh, I mean, I like to think that three years earlier, Arya published a short story of that title in an online journal under an assumed name, and it's a it's a biting bit of flash fiction about erectile dysfunction and older men. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> not hashtag eggplant emoji. No, no, indeed, no eggplant. Uh, so Arya's watching him, very guarded, but she says nothing, and he says, "I thought we were in a different place, and that we were, and that's okay. But could we take a step back?" We, we, we don't have to get married. We can just be together. And Ari's like, Ezra, I want to marry you. And he makes like the dorkiest, like relieved face ever. Like, I think he might have actually just jizzed in his pants right now. And Ari's just like, I want to say yes more than anything. But something happened. And it it's something that might make you wish you'd never asked me this that question. 
that's the Afaria. Like, you're not getting out of that that easily. And he's just like, you can tell me anything, Arya. And she's like, yeah, well, the thing is, I can't untell you. And Ezra's face is just like, I just went from six to midnight. Go on. And Arya's like, we should probably sit down. So she nods over to her table, and he goes over there to join her. And it's almost like he's moving gingerly right now, so he doesn't upset his huge erection. I'm shockingly disturbed by how phallocentric this episode has become. (laughs) Well, what are you going to do? It's like we're looking at this episode, and we're just seeing dicks everywhere. Um, Eggplant emoji. (laughs) We need to take this back to Mary Mary Drake's lovers real Mm -hmm. quick. Um, So Ard begins Tower Tell. We don't... don't Am I wrong? Am I wrong that he's, like, totally excited about uh, whatever, like, weird shit she needs to tell him? Yeah, probably for a lot of reasons, but oh god, just like I, I part of me tuned out of the scene after he was just like, I need to tell you something first. Fucking bastard. Um, yeah, we still don't get to we don't get to hear whatever she tells him because we poetically cut to Allison saying she lied to me. <laughs> yeah, we're in Allie's living room. It's her and Emily. They're sitting on the floor in front of the couch. It's wine time for Allie. Emily, there's a lot of space between her and Allie, I guess, because uh, she's still scared of Allie's wrath here. Mm-hmm. And Allie's like, she lied about everything. Doctor, Mary Drake, being friends with Jenna. And Emily says, that doesn't mean that Charlotte didn't love you. And Allie's just like, love me? I didn't even know she had a boyfriend. And then I married him. And she just smirks and take a, takes a big old uh, sip of that red wine glass there. Mm-hmm. And Emily says... Because, Allie, it went too far. He took matters into his own hands. So, like, was Rick just like, I know what I'll do to fast-track this plan. I'll seduce Charlotte's sister. That's a smashing idea. Yeah. Good job, Archer. Bloody good show. At the end of the episode, it has some, you know, I don't know, half-baked theories. Hmm. Uh, Where were we? I thought we were sisters, Em. Yeah, Allie thought they were sisters. And this seems to hit Emily hard. Because for a moment, it, like at least to me, like when she says that, it's not totally clear she's talking about Charlotte or Emily. Because mm-hmm. the way she looks at her, like, I thought we were sisters, Em. It's almost accusing. And then Allie says, I wasn't her confidant or a friend. I was just a stepping stone so she could get out of that place. And Emily right now is feeling guilty on behalf of all women who have ever wronged Allie. And Allie looks over at the couch behind her with the sneer. And she's just like, we had our first kiss right here. It was Christmas Eve. Elliot somehow got the hospital board to approve Charlotte staying overnight. He made me think it was my idea that Charlotte could live here, that together we could convince the judge she was stable and in good hands. And he's just like, Allie. And she tries to lean over to Allie, but Allie's just like, don't. Allie just shuts that down because mm-hmm. she's still mad. Mm-hmm. Emily's just like, sad face. And all the Emerson chippers out there are just like tasting acid right now. Mm-hmm. And Allie's just like, you don't have to go through this alone. I know you're upset we gave your jacket to AD, and you have every right to be. And Allie's just like, Spencer already explained it to me. And Allie's just like, well, she let something out. We took a vote. <laughs> we are so sorry. I am so sorry, Allie. Allie's just like, I know. Emily sighs because there's really nothing else to say. And she's like, I'll call you later, okay? And Allie just nods and looks off. It's like she's got other shit on her mind. I feel like Emily maybe takes this as a dismissal because mm-hmm. she looks very upset when she gets up to leave here. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I don't think Allie necessarily means it that way. Like Allie is like 
almost nagging her here, you know, mm-hmm. uh, whether she means to or not. Well, it reminded me of the a little bit of Spencer and Hannah. I mean, obviously, I don't think Spencer and Hannah are secretly in love. Yeah, but like, uh, aren't they though? Aren't they all? But Spana. like, uh, you know, Spencer's just like, I need to be mad at you for a little bit longer. Mm-hmm. Um, also, the music in this scene sounded like super sad Gilmore Girls music. Mm. Like, there just needed to be some melancholy, like la la's in there. La la. <laughs> La la. Yeah, I've never seen Gilmore Girls, so that's lost on me. But I'm sure our listeners will enjoy it. Yes, they will. Mm-hmm. Um, so outside Allison's house, oh, I can't wait for the eventual like Netflix revival of PLL in like 10 years. God, that'd be so good. I can wait. You have to. So outside Allison's house, we're looking over at one of the patrol cars on duty. Emily lets herself out, walks to the car. We hear the radio and the car squawk quietly. And the smiles politely at the cop as she passes, avoiding his obviously weird face. Um, <laughs> she can see in the side view. We can see the side view that like, this cop has a suspiciously rubbery horror show face, like Gosling and Drive. But like seriously, it's like they just went down and got the Drive mask from like a movie memorabilia sale. It's fucking creepy. Like we see Emily drive off and kind of cl- zoom in on the side view mirror, watching this cop like adjust this like freak show mask of his. Like obviously a mask, mm-hmm. you know. It's totally creepy. I mean, it's 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 like uncanny valley. I guess is how I would describe it. Yeah, yeah. It's it's almost lifelike, but there's something wrong. I, mean, I think with the glasses on, it definitely sells it more because you can't see the eyes. Mm-hmm. I think the eyes really give it away. Well, I think it's interesting. Is the the old postal guy in the distance? He looked like he had like a rubbery old man face. It just looked like an old man, yeah. And then the unfortunate face of the uh, uh, maid at the Radley in the one scene. You know, from a distance, she just looked like a maid with an unfortunate face. Um, this one, it's like, you know, when people have long hair and somebody's like, oh, you should donate your hair to like a wig thing. It's like, Emily, I want Emily to be like, hey, guy, you should donate your face to Freak Show because you have a face made for a mask. That's um, sick burn. Which would be great if this is like a real actor who plays this for some reason. Yeah, it's like, that's just my face. Um, so later, Hannah and Spencer are chilling on the swings at the park that night, uh, at night. Uh, this is where Caleb and Hannah used to go when they have their heart-to-hearts or when they were on their alcoholic binges. Same um, thing. Yeah, same thing. Spencer's like, you didn't have to do that. You didn't have to pretend. And Hannah's like, I know. Didn't work anyway. She hands Spencer her bottle of beer. I love that. No? Well, no, Spencer said, <laughs> it's not a questioning, no. <laughs> There's no question mark there. No? <laughs> no. So Spencer takes a bottle and swigs. Um, supposition here, all non-Ezria-focused liar-two-handers are great. Am I right? Oh, yeah, yeah. As long yeah. as Ezria is not involved, it's always a good scene. There needs to be a new Bechdel test, like for <laughs> is Ezria. Ezria is, the, is Ezria brought up in the conversation? No. Great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Take a drink. You earned it. We all earned it. The culture has improved. Uh, yeah. So Spencer takes the bottle and takes a swig, and it's like, "Are you okay?" I absolutely will be. They smile at each other. There's some serious span of feels here. You should tell him. She passes the bottle back. You should tell Caleb that you and Jordan broke up. And it makes some Hannah face. I feel like Spencer really just wants to be like, look, we all know where this is going. Don't stall on my my account. Like, just do it, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Hannah's still feeling guilty. And she says, I haven't told anyone about this, but I had a dream about you when I was in that place with AD. 
There's a very unreadable Spencer face here. Basically, like, it's mild concern. Maybe it's just like her listening face. And Hannah says, I was so tired and scared. I wanted to give up. And then suddenly, there you were. You were all smart and preppy and didn't have bangs and ready to hatch an escape plan. They both kind of smile. Spencer says, Um, I really wish I could have been there, Hannah. I wish that I could have helped you. You did. That's what I'm saying. You and all you taught me over the years. Aw. So Hannah gets off the swing. She tosses a beer bottle. And then her phone a phone rings behind her. Is that your phone? And Hannah runs back to her purse. She's like, no, it's Rollins. She <gasps> digs the phone out of her bag and flips it open. And we hear on the speakerphone, it's Rick. First you turn her in. And then you leave her all alone. Stupid bitches. <laughs> <laughs> he says that. Uh, <laughs> and it, you went like to like your British Caleb place. First you turn her in. That's always my place. Uh, and they both British look at each other like, oops. Uh, so uh, is this like Jenna or Shower on the phone? Or is it AD? First you turn her in. No, for British accent. First you turn her in. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> That's beautiful. Uh, well, because uh, this is like a warning to them. Yeah. If if we assume that what happens next is the real AD, mm-hmm. then it doesn't seem like AD would warn them beforehand. Well, it's it's a weird mind game because it's it's uh it's a warning, but like disguised as a taunt from the actual attacker. Yeah. Like I feel than, like this is the B team. I'm calling them the B team. I feel like this this warning is from the B team. Who wants Allison to be saved? I guess. I mean I guess what is the what is the point of is it just to like protect your identity as the B team? Oh, why, why would why would A warn them? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, with, what's what? about to happen? You would think that legitimately this person in the mask wants to hurt Allison quite gravely. Well, if if we buy the idea that Shower really is concerned here, I mean, we we never we don't even know what her story is yet. No, you don't. <laughs> And you never will. Um, so if you buy the idea that she really is concerned, maybe she would make this warning call. Mm. I don't know. Uh, so anyway, we're going to go to Allie's place. Allie's looking at like some frame photos of Rick and her and Charlotte. Like She's very bitter. And then the phone rings. We see it's Hannah. And Allie, she hesitates a moment, and then she answers. Like At least she's learned to like answer her phone, even if she doesn't want to talk. Mm-hmm. She's like, hey. And cut to Hannah with Spencer at the swings there, sighs in relief. Uh, she's got Allie on speaker, and she's like, Allie, thank God, where are you? And we go back to Allie in the room. She's, like, tossing those photos of Rick and uh, away, like, throwing away his shoes. She's just, like, trashing everything this guy, you know, what had to do with her life. What about all the dildos? Those she keeps. <laughs> and Allie's just like, home, why? And Hannah's just like, are the police still outside your house? And Allie's like, um, yeah, what's going on, Hannah? And Hannah says, we think AD is headed your heading your way. He might even be there already. <gasps> Allie's face is just like, shit. <laughs> I love that. So she kind of tosses aside the trash bag. And she's like, you mean Jen and Sarah? And we go back to Teen Spana here. They're walking very purposely uh, as Hannah's filling Allie in, and Hannah's just like, no, he has an Elliot Rollins, the same guy who put a muzzle over you and fed you crazy pills. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, well, do you think Allison would be like, Jenna and Sarah, bring it on. I like my odds. Well, it's really funny to watch Spencer here because she keeps looking over at Hannah and like opening her mouth and then closing it. Like she really wants to say something like, I wouldn't put it that way. Maybe <laughs> she's doing her goldfish impression. Yeah. Yeah. And Hannah says he crawled out of his own damn grave and he's coming for you. And Spencer finally grabs the phone. And she's like, Allie, it's Spencer. Look, Hannah might be right. So just to make sure that that cop doesn't just make sure that, that cop doesn't leave her side. Uh, we are on our way. So they pile into Spencer's car and then back in Allie's room, Allie kind of rushes out the door. She's like, Oh my God. So then we go outside the Delarent's house. We see that creepy fucking melted face cop that's there. It's I just, wouldn't say melted face. I would say like if you really had some serious burns, you got like a face transplant. That's what it looks like. I guess, yeah. Yeah, so this guy's chilling in his patrol car. Allie comes out the front door and like stands on the bottom step of the porch. And she's just like, officer, can you please come inside? And then she just like goes back inside as the cop gets out. And we go inside Allie's house and... Uh, seemingly she like hasn't given this cop a second look. He's just kind of following her in. Yeah. And like, like I was saying on Twitter, like, is it possible that maybe there's like a well-known cop in town that like suffered some serious like facial burns? Like one of those times that Jenna thinks house blew up. It's like, that's Gary. Like, look, don't stare. That's not nice. Like he was the only one who was like nice to her when all the other cops did like their ridiculous, like slut shaming during the Lorenzo fiasco. I mean, even if he wasn't, like, you know, you don't stare. That's just rude. No. Yeah. You, just, you just don't look at him at all, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so Allie's just, like, kind of talking behind her. She's like, my friends think that Archer Dunhill could be on his way. So if you could just wait and hear and, until backup comes. And she kind of, there's a hitch in her voice because, it's like, she just noticed his face. Allie's <laughs> just like, oh, my God, what's wrong with your face? Uh, but no, she turns away and she puts her phone back to her ear. Sorry about A, the dicks, B, mm. the rampant insensitivity. <laughs> What's wrong with your face? Uh, in the background, off. We see like the shadow, like this guy just like walks off behind her. And Ellie's on the phone. She's like, Spence? Yeah, yeah, he's inside now. Ah, okay, I will. She hangs up and turns back around. The cop's gone. She's looking around confused. I mean, this guy. He's a worse cop than Toby, but not by much. Oh and he's God, just he's like a potential killer. Not by much. Yeah. And he's just like, officer? <laughs> You're like looking around. Hello? That's weird. <laughs> so then she goes into her old room here. It's all dark inside. And there's like one lamp that's turned on. And she walks over to see that this lamp is uh, illuminating, but possibly not too well. Honey, I'm home, written in red spray paint on the wall. Like, totally creepy. See, this this throws me because if you just want to straight up murder this girl, what's the point of this? Isn't A always really about the presentation, though? I guess. I mean, this is like, this is some Joanna Wellick stuff. I was just going to say, when when A murders someone, A A wants you to die with answers. Exactly. Um, But. I I feel like my mind has just been trained to like splinter into like five different theories that make no sense just based on this scene alone. A is all about the presentation. They always have been. Yeah. I mean, dating back to Mona. God, I miss Mona. So yeah, Allie's just like, oh, that's weird. It says, honey, I'm home on the wall, you know? (laughs) And then uh, this like creepy cop like grabs her from behind, like kind of shoves her against the wall. 
she's crying out. This guy's manhandling her. She manages to like elbow him and like push him back onto the bed. Then he's he gets back up and kind of like tosses her around on the vanity and like tossing her shit everywhere. And she reaches back and kind of pulls off a piece of like the lower part of the mask. It's pretty creepy, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and then he's got like his hands around her neck and he's choking the shit out of her. <laughs> and she's coughing. She's she's like looking in her vanity mirror as she gets choked out. Uh, she's just like Elliot. And the cop like smashes her head like full on into the mirror. Like this is pretty hardcore for PLL. Yeah. Like I feel like this season is probably more violent than we've seen from PLL in the past. Would you say? Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, uh, Austin's got some good like uh, like punches in the face on Elliot too. Well, I mean, like just smashing there. her head into the mirror, the the car, you know, murder scene. This is a pretty brutal. I mean, we're gonna see a fucking like. You know, rotting corpse later. Well, I mean, this is also the second in six episodes, like, fairly violent, like, attack on Allison's, like, herself. What was the other one? Uh, Actual Rick in the mental hospital. Yeah, right, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. (laughs) Um, Yeah, it's it's a little weird whenever you... Grab at someone's face and literally pull off a chunk of it. Yeah. Well, That's he fucking a bit weird. Smashes her face into like the mirror, uh, and then Allie's just like in a pool. Copious of- Twin Peaks shout out for that. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. And then uh, there's some sirens uh, like approaching. He like this dude whips out like a collapsible riot baton, like he's about to beat the shit out of her. But then these sirens, it's like it, it's like the sirens stopped him. I guess he suddenly just runs out of the room instead. And it just leaves Allie like panting for air and clutching at her throat. Well, so part of me like went to well, guys, remember there was that whole Noel Khan attack that was that was all for show. This doesn't look like for show. No, no, and I thought okay, that's always a possibility. But then I was like, riot baton, head smashing the mirror. Oh shit, this is real. Mm. <laughs> this is bad. Um, yeah. So Allie's catching her breath. She looks down to see that, like, what she holds in her hands is, like, that creepy, like, half of a face that she tore off the mask. Mm-hmm. Uh, man, Allie just, like, people like to choke the shit out of Allie in her, in her place, you know? Yeah. It keeps happening to her. Somebody likes to do this more than, like, Cheryl and Archer likes it. Yeah. I mean, I don't think this was to scare Allie. I, I feel like if the sirens hadn't approached, R.I.P. Allie, I guess, was how this scene seemed to be going down. But... Yeah, yeah, but I think it's still, it seems like it's all geared towards where it goes at the end. Maybe, yeah, I mean, I guess. Like, she would have been the collateral damage to push certain players into a certain place. I guess it seems like this masked person is AD, not another party. I guess that's how I'm reading it. I don't know, because I I, I don't think the Honey, I'm Home was meant for Allison, necessarily. I'm sure oh, I, I do. See on, I see on the cake, it fucks her up, too. But now, literally everyone thinks that this is Rick attacking her. I you know what guess. I mean? So AD, AD is well, perpetuating for few, that. For a few seconds anyway, yeah. But I mean, it's 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 certainly sending the liars to go seek out, you know, his remains. Okay, okay yeah, maybe motivating them, sure. So I mean, like, she would have been collateral damage in getting them to that blackmailable place. Anyway. Hmm. Uh, so after the commercial, that mass fragment and a tiny bottle of spray paint are in Evans' bags in the coffee table in Allison's room. We can hear Detective Marco Fury being an authoritative cop bro now that the police have arrived to suss things out at her place. And he's like, we need to set up a checkpoint now. And somebody better tell me why Officer Sheehan wasn't at his post. So I got to point out, you know, that, that one black cop with the glasses? Yep. 
I have a screenshot of him like totally scowling at Marco here. Yeah. It's just like, sir, I can do my job without you yelling at me. I would love. He's <laughs> like, to I've worked here for ten years. I don't need your bullshit. I would love Newbie. to talk to that actor. Like, I would love to know. You know, if you've been like, uh, would you call us a featured extra? I don't know. Like, if you've been an extra on PLL this long, it's it's kind of like Jonathan level, like before he had lines on Buffy. But I mean, like, we don't know this character's name, and I'm no. dying to know. Because once that happens, once he becomes an Officer Maple, it's like, I don't know, like the, the fan base, the cult really takes over. This guy looks like he's seconds away from just beating the shit out of Marco here. Like, you can barely see his face unless you freeze frame it, but like, yeah. he's not happy. Well, I mean, he's he's pretty much always the cop now, if it's not Toby. Yeah, you know? yeah. It's always this guy. Sometimes it's from behind or whatever. He's always one getting coffee or what have you. But yeah, this was a point where I was like, as I'm rewatching it, I was like, Wait a minute. How did the cops not know that like one of their numbers were outside her house? Well, it's uh, uh, Officer Sheehan. Yeah. Yeah. What's up? Where's Wasn't Officer at Sheehan? his post. Is he yeah. like in his like like wife beater and boxers and like tied up with a gag in his mouth somewhere? <laughs> That's exactly where he is. Yes. <laughs> and he also has that same face. Um, it's like straight out of minute work. Yeah. Exactly. So Oscar and Hannah's just like Allie. We hear that Hannah before we see her. She's come rushing into Spencer, looking around frantically. Um, and Hannah's like, Allison. Spencer's like, where is she? Where's Allie? And Marco's like, it's okay, Spencer. She's okay. Allison's upstairs. So she's like, oh, thank you. And they both run upstairs. Uh, he watches them, perhaps interested in their responses here. Uh, upstairs, there's glass on the floor, Allison's music box, an Eiffel Tower picture frame. They lie among the debris. Hannah and Spencer find Allie sitting on her old bed with a blanket over her shoulders. I would think they'd want to get her the fuck out of there to like, I don't know. To like where? Forensics I mean- it up. I don't know, but like somewhere else in the house. Um, but yeah, also, I this guess was, I don't know. Yeah, this is when I was like, "Holy shit!" Hannah's shoes are like jeweled gold pumps. Those, yeah, she's wearing some crazy stilettos right now. I feel like she stole those from Arya, like just casually. Like I feel like it's the first time we got a good look at them. Yeah, don't tell Arya that. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the paramedics leave to give them some space as the girls wince and gas over Allie's wounds. She's got like a bandage cut in her upper cheek from the. Or I love the way they both come and just like cuddle with Allie like a couple of kittens or something <laughs> it's great uh but yeah Hannah's just like oh my god Allison Spencer's like oh my god and they just both like cuddle up on either side of her Spencer's like oh god you're hurt and Allie's like I'm okay I'm just glad you get that you guys are here and you can see Allie's like she's pretty freaked out she's holding it together and Spencer's like what happened and Allie says he was dressed like a cop he had on another mask and takes a deep breath could have killed me I think this police siren scared him off. And Spencer, like, literally nuzzles Allie's shoulder while, like, Hannah makes some Hannah face. Like, I feel like if Mona could see this right now, she'd be so jealous. She'd oh, just this be is, like, fuck this. This whole scene is Mona's sexuality, I think. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Hannah's like, it was really him, wasn't it? So <laughs> we cut to Arya hanging up her phone at Ezra's. The camera pans at her face, processing the info, almost catatonic. In the background, Ezra is impotently pacing. <laughs> and Ezra's like, was that Hannah? And Ari's like, yeah, Allie's okay, but Archer Dunhill could still be out there. She processes some more. She looks over at Ezra, like, who's more scared than before. He just kind of blinks at her. Like, he's like, is he really, like, processing her info, like, having to deal with it, like, his reaction to it? Well, I feel like Lucy, this is another, like, really good, subtle performance from her. Like, there's real fear and worry all over her face. Like, she's 
really like giving everything for this very quick, you know, random, like, you know, plot scene here, basically. Like she really looks just terrified, Mm -hmm. you know, like, and, and just like, like despairing, I guess, you know, like she, she looks like she's at the end of her rope here. And Ezra's just looking at her like, huh. Question about the Ezria test. Mm Mm-hmm. Can the scene pass the test of Ezri as in the scene? Yes. Okay, so if they don't talk about themselves, as as amazing as I know that sounds, I, like I think so. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, so this this is the, of the newly initiated test. This is the first scene to actually pass it. All right, here we go. There we go. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. Awesome. So then we're gonna hear the opening bars of Etta James's "I'd Rather Go Blind." Oh well. It's a nice cut here. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, we see Allie's putting on some slow jams on her vintage record player here. And we pan up to see her face. She's got some red, like, handprint marks on her neck from Uber A. And she's kind of, like, probing at her throat as the music plays. And then she turns around. We see, oh, Emily's standing behind her there. And Emily herself looks kind of, like, lost in the memory right now. She's got a faint smile on her face. And she's like, I love this song. Allie, meanwhile, has changed into a like a loose blue sweater that says Bella on the front of it on a, with a heart. Yeah, is that like a brand or something? That I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it's made by the same people who made Hannah's feed bag. Yeah, there you go. Which is a weird joke that you don't get until you say it out loud, or I didn't. Yeah, I mean, different eras, obviously, but I feel like the Etta James kind of calls back to the Dion Warwick. Uh, I'm your puppet. Well, there's, there's, there's always been this kind of pseudo Motown vibe to to PLL's uh, uh, musical taste, especially A's musical taste. Yeah. Uh, so I would not be shocked if there's like, well, we're gonna find out in just a second. So let's just mm-hmm. get there. Allison says, yeah, my mom had quite a record collection. <laughs> Mary brought down a box from the attic. So I thought to myself at first, did Jessica also steal Mary's taste in music? But then I thought. This amazing taste in music is is clearly been passed on to Charlotte. Like she loved to play these kind of songs as she's uh, oh what was the one uh, right before the end of season five when they um, the the little uh, toy thing of the liars like going to jail oh right right yeah. the dollhouse yeah yeah I can't remember what that song was but it was fantastic um, well and I I don't know I mean it's it's just good music you know <laughs> like, yeah it's great music yeah like I feel like part of it might be taste in music and part of it might just be like we're not going to mess around with trying to stay trendy. We're just going to play some good shit. It's yeah. it's older, but it's good shit. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Plus, uh, I'd rather go blind. It's just a nice joke. Mm-hmm. An episode about the Jenna thing. Um, <laughs> so Emily is like, where was she when that happened? And Allie's like, she was meeting for contractor. I think he's one of her former lovers. The police confirmed it. <laughs> Both that he was her contractor and a former <laughs> lover. Yeah. She had pictures. It was, yeah. Officer Cavanaugh was dispatched to confirm that. (laughs) He's like, I can confirm he was both a contractor and a former lover. I have seen the pictures and the video. Mm. Um, So M takes Allie's hand and tries to pour towards a chair. This is a total derailment, but I I just flash back to a moment of my youth where I was at like a a Christmas party with my parents. And like the host was showing my parents like an album that I couldn't see about like their their baby, mm-hmm. and they were like, "And here's conception," and they all laughed. And I was just, like, like years later, I was like, "Oh, Ew. anyway, continue." 
Wow. How old were you? Like 14. I feel like, I feel like that's going to be the nugget that like later cracks open the whole shell of you. There you go. Yeah. So Emily's like, sit down. You need to rest. And I was like, Em, God, I'm so sorry. And Emily's like, for what? And Allison's like, Elliot knew that I'd push you away and make myself vulnerable. That's why he put the jack in my room and I fell right for it. So Emily just reaches over and holds Allison tight in her heels. She's kind of towering over Allison and she like lets her cry on her shoulder. <laughs> oh, yeah, because she's got heels on. I'm not even sure if Allie has shoes on. So it's like she's like a foot taller here. Um, just but yeah, she's lay just, your head upon my bosom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Some major Emerson feels here. Uh, and I, I think I gotta say, like, it, you know, this is you know hashtag end game and all that. Like, I feel like they're actually building a real relationship here. Yeah, it's not just like high school crush territory anymore. Yeah, like no one's motives are suspect. Like in season five, like this is like a real a real thing is happening. It's not just like if if it's fan service, at least they're laying the groundwork. You know, I yeah that and I I just thinking to myself, God, I'd love to see an episode go by where Allison doesn't have like new bruises that she gets to admire <laughs> on her body. Um, so that's well, you're alone in that. That scene uh, also passes the Ezria test, but we'll go right into the toilet because there's Ezria back at his apartment. Um, they're still standing apart of him with his arms crossed until he looks up as though he's just had an idea, but she just looks down instead. And, and I love that Ezra's made this this thing, which is really about Arya, about himself again. Mm-hmm. So he walks over, turns her face to him, and he's like, Arya, look at me! Um, look at me! <laughs> she does, and he's caressing her hair and trying to be gentle. But she just has this look of like vulnerable despair in her face. And he's well, like, like, it's interesting because in these last few scenes with Arya, she is just like, just lost. I mean, she's just like falling apart. Mm-hmm. And seemingly he's just thinking about like the engagement the whole time, you know, mm-hmm. like, I feel like what she's experiencing right now is more than just angst about an engagement, but yeah, he's going to come over and kind of well, like, no, no, it's the, sadly she's resolute about the engagement. Yeah. It's, it's, it's everything, everything else. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Ezra's like, I'm going to talk for a while. <laughs> No, he says, I'm going to try this one one more time. And he gets down on his knee again, and there's this wonderful tentative smile that spreads across his, her face that would be adorable if this wasn't an Ezra proposing again. And she gasps in delight, and he's like, will you marry me? And she laughs and bends down to kiss his dumb, ugly face. And she's just like, and he says, wait, is that a yes? God, you were in everything, Ezra. Of course it's a yes. And Ari's laughing. She's like, yes, yes, Ezra. Completely, absolutely, yes, yes. She's like, yes, I will. I said yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, if, hair, like the Andalusian girls. If you block out the Ezra of it all, I feel like Lucy's really good in this scene. Like, like the the happy look she gets on her face. Like, it's it's <gasps> so joyful, and yet there's still like this layer of terror over everything. You know. Oh, you know what I want? I want. Mm. Uh, I want the uh, Garfield about Garfield where someone just takes Ezra. <laughs> Photoshops Ezra. Yeah, yeah, I would love to see just her Ezra playing. without Ezra. Yeah. <laughs> her just playing to an empty room. Yes, Ezra, completely, absolutely, yes. And she starts like floating in midair. Yeah, so they, they kiss some more and then stand up. And he, he picks her up and spins her around, which is pretty funny because she's like three feet taller or shorter than he is. Mm-hmm. Um, so... I, uh, you know, don't hate me. I feel like if you could incept yourself, <laughs> if you incepted yourself into forgetting the backstory here, this is a pretty cute scene, you know, like, uh, especially because she's so tiny. 
Um, Ezra uh, just likes petite girls. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. The Ezra marriage, what do you think? You know, here's the here's here's the rough part. You knew it was inevitable. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like nine out of ten people were like, "Oh, there's a PLL proposal. Ugh, it's gonna be Ezra." You know, you knew that was coming. Um, so it's like, do I like it? No, not particularly. But you knew it was coming. It's some some part of it's already lived inside you all this time. Well, let me, let me ask you this. Do you think it is the responsibility of the show to treat this romance like it's a bad thing or not? That's a question that I feel like is going to be consistently asked. And I don't know if there will ever be an answer. And I think the the closest that we will ever get will be the Predator conversation in episode two of this season. Yeah. I mean, there are constant signifiers yeah. Of like doom but, around their relationship, but then he also has seen like this. How much of that is in the the writing and the concept from there, mm-hmm. and how much of that is people like Norman Buckley was like, I can't help it, guys. This is this is what it is. I have to do this. You know what I mean? Well, even yeah, I guess even in this episode, there seems to be this doom hanging over it. I don't know. I mean, well, it's, it's the candle thing. To me, the fact that we linger so long in those candles as they start even like conversing in that scene really plays like doom and foreboding. Well, they they could have given them just a purely happy engagement and they didn't. They like delayed it. Now, you could say that was just like for drama purposes or maybe I don't know. Like I, I guess I'm I'm ambivalent. Like there's always this nagging voice in my head that's just like. Are you condescending? Like, are you just assuming that like young women are like too impressionable to like have a complex reading? You know, like I don't want to just be like Mister Woke Bro who's like going to tell everyone how it is. You know, um, I just I, I I remember it's something we, we talk a lot about Buffy in the show. Mm-hmm. Um, season two, right before Angel loses his soul. The last scene with Buffy and Angel is one of their happy together and everything's perfect and they're in the graveyard and they're smooching mm-hmm. or whatever. And we pan over to the gravestone and we see specifically just the like dearly departed or whatever. <laughs> and it's the most subtle of foreshadowings on a show where a girl regularly has a social life in a graveyard. Yeah. Um, I, I, this is not like a completely happy world. <laughs> well, let me. Let me throw this at you. Like uh, a while back, this is like several years ago now. Uh, are you aware of Film Crit Hulk? Like as a mm-hmm. an internet presence, uh, it's like a a film critic who writes like he's the Incredible Hulk in all caps, and it's kind of annoying to read, but he does have good insights. Um, he wrote this like just like super takedown of Twilight, um, and then uh, one of the uh, people reading it, there's another blogger, I believe her name is Ladonna Pietra. She kind of wrote this response because his takedown was totally like, oh, this is so regressive and, you know, like damaging, like sends a bad message. And her response is basically like, I agree with 85% of what she said. But then she had this defense where she, the, the quote she has, like her kind of thesis here, she said, or she writes, fiction helps women either contextualize the contradictory expectations placed upon them by society or offers them an escape from those expectations into a particular sort of fantasy that allows them to function in the world, which is basically her way of saying like, yes, it's super problematic and gross, but maybe that's what women want to read though, you know, as a way of escaping like their expectations. 
And so I guess I, that's always in the back of my mind with these Ezra scenes. And I feel like in the way she's 85%, like, you know, with film crit Hulk there, I feel like I'm 85% against the whole Ezra thing. But there's like this small part of me that's like, I don't want to say that it must be an after school special. I want to give viewers the credit to like kind of deduce things on their own. Um, well, as I frequently do, let me just take the smarter, funnier insight from somebody much smarter than I am with mm-hmm. Jason Clifton, as I try to frequently quote. Uh, how did he put it in the round table? Ezra is just a furniture in Arya's story. Yeah, yeah. And so I think at least you get Arya's perspective on this. At least I think will the show ever really address, is it the responsibility of the show to ever really address the icky parts of this? I think in a way it has. It's not just the the subtle little things, but it's like an Arya's conversation to Liam. Well, I think it, one of the biggest criticisms you could make even outside of that discussion is that the Ezria situation just constantly derails Arya's character. Mm-hmm. And it kind of limits her from expressing her full range of personality. Like every time he's not, Ezra's not around, it feels like we're getting a a broader picture of Arya. And then every time he shows up, it's like, oh no, you have to go back to this romance. I like that. I feel, and I could be completely wrong. I feel like we've seen more of that broader picture of Arya five years forward. A little, uh, yeah. Like she started to really grow into herself. And, and although I, I feel like it was present in the past, like if we could ever just get away from Ezra for a few episodes. Suddenly, Arya was a, just a more well-rounded character, you know. Like when she went on that college visitation trip, <laughs> um, uh, Riley. But like you know, and you also still had constant peppered in, where it's a scene where the liars have had the after-action report about how three of them were almost straight up murdered by a <laughs> homicidal janitor, and Arya's like, "You guys, I had some bad dreams about Ezra and my dad," and you want Spencer just grab Arya and be like, "Arya." Get on the couch and examine that. <laughs> examine those dreams. You, Ezra and your dad, what the fuck? Uh, yeah, which is all, I think, just a way of, like, the Ezra marriage. Uh, yeah, I think that about sums up her, her ultimate opinion there. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, I, I, I guess you could say they are at least adults now. It doesn't excuse what he did in the past, but I feel like it's a little more condescending to just be like, Boo, Arya! Like she can make her own decisions now, at least you know. Well, and and taking your one read from earlier, if the show, you know, will never actually say, but if you know the show will never really be able to address it, it's like at least they can give us things of Emily and like, you sure everything's okay, sunshine? You doing okay, cupcake? <laughs> How you doing? How you doing, Ezra? Are you gonna cry? If you're gonna cry, I want to get a cup and catch those tears. Ooh, this will be well, sweet. There is a sense that if Ezra was not a popular character, this wouldn't be happening. Yeah. Know? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway. Uh, back to the uh, sexy espionage adventure called The Girl with the Caged Bird Tattoo. Uh, we cut to Sarah Harvey quickly packing it back in her hotel room. She's got her all black shady outfit on, her doing dirt outfit, leather jacket, and black beanie and gloves. Um Oh, man. She hurries up her bag, grabs her purse, moves to her door. We get a POV shot from outside the door. Sarah opens it and then gasps with widening eyes of amazing anime recognition. And whoever's on the other side of that door, as the camera zooms in on her face, I love it. <laughs> oh, no. It's, it's crazy for me. Yeah. 
Here's, oh, here's shower. Best case scenario, the person in the hallway is her exact like double. It's her, yeah. Uh, so then we cut it's to the. You. I mean me. It's us. <laughs> cut to the woods in the dark. We see two flashlights moving uh, through the trees. Here, there's kind of two people trekking through the forest. Obviously, it's Spencer and Hannah. Spencer's saying, "This is a really bad idea. We shouldn't be here." And Hannah's like, "Okay, but we can't just take Ad's word for it. We need proof." Uh, they're both dressed in black. Spencer's essentially wearing an A hoodie here. Mm. Uh, so they both pause because they hear a twig snap in the distance. And they look over. They don't hear anything else. And so Hannah's just like, oh, it's fine. Let's go. Spencer lingers a bit, but then she follows. Um, I feel like it's just another classic, like, maybe this is a POV shot. Maybe it's not, like, in the PLL style here. Yeah. Um, and then we see they come to a clearing, uh, you know, around some trees. There's this very cool shot, like totally from the side with like the moonlight streaming in through the leaves. Spencer's like, this is it. This is the spot. And they shine their lights on the ground. It's just a bunch of dirt covered in leaves. Mm-hmm. And Hannah's just like, it looks just like it did before. I guess it could have crawled out and covered the hole back up. And they both look at each other and gulp because they're just like, yeah. And Spencer's like, well, there's only one way to know for sure. <laughs> so cut to them digging with some shovels. And Hannah's just grunting and tossing some loads of dirt, just getting winded. And she's like, I don't remember digging this much. Spencer's like, that's because he didn't. You're in shock. <laughs> oh, nice, Spencer. Yeah. Just got to get that one in there. Because Hannah can't tell her left from her right. Mm-hmm. And we can see they've got like basically a grave-shaped hole dug, maybe about a foot or two deep right now. And they're digging. They're panting heavily. This is hard work. And Spencer's just like, I don't know. Maybe you're right. Maybe he's not here. They dig some more, and then Hannah just kind of shoves her shovel in real deep. And then she gasps, and, like, they're both choking on the smell right now. And it's just like, oh, my God. Uh, She tosses her shovel aside. She kneels down. They're both just scraping away dirt with their bare hands, trying to, like, keep their heads, you know, like, angled away so so they can breathe. Mm -hmm. I mean, you definitely get the sense there's a a funk right now. And finally, Spencer kind of reels back and looks down. And we get this close-up with this totally gross, like, maggoty face in the earth. Which, I mean, I guess is Rollins, because Spencer's just like, it's him. (laughs) I mean, I don't think that's a mask, you know? Like, people are like, maybe it's a mask. Like, nah, that is, like, a totally gross, like, decaying, rotting, like, maggoty, like, flesh. Like, that's a real face. If that were latex or something, you wouldn't see that, you know, and Spencer Spencer says it's him and they both look at each other in surprise and we kind of get this wide shot of them kneeling over like this rotting corpse face. It's totally disgusting. And I feel like this is the moment where they're both like, wow, he really is dead. Shit. Like all like number one. Yeah, we definitely killed a guy. Number two, who the fuck is impersonating him? Yeah. And that's that. So Rick. Rick is dead. Rick is for sure dead. Mm-hmm. Put that in the book. So then. This scene passes the Ezra test. <laughs> this scene definitely passes the Ezra test. <laughs> so yeah, so cut that's, to. That's cut no Mako Mori test. No, no, it's mm-hmm. not. Uh, cut the sign. Which to, PS was kind of BS, but anyway, continue. <laughs> <laughs> we cut to uh, the thing. We're in room 4118 at the uh, rally. A room service maid knocks on the door. We're listening to some music on her headphones. There's no answer, so she unlocks the door, wheels her car, and we see that it's a real person with a real face, uh, not someone in a mask. We yeah, I just want to point that out. This is a real person. This isn't like the other maid. 
Yeah, we can hear a shower in the background, um, which is, you know, it's like when you hear the train constantly in PLL five years forward, but, you know, shower. Uh, <laughs> the maid's oblivious. She has her headphones on. She looks over and finds a single black studded glove on the floor. <laughs> Just the glove lying there on the ground. So she picks it up and puts it on the end table. She gets some fresh towels from her cart there and walks into the bathroom. And as the door swings open, she kind of jumps back with a gasp because, uh, oh, there's someone in the tub there. So we're just lying prone with like an arm hanging over the the you know edge of it, and then we get a close up shot of the hand. It's mm. got all these scars on it. Mm. Yeah, yeah, nice. Caleb's into that. <laughs> um, so yeah, classic horror movie style. Slade made slowly pulls off her earbuds. Edges closer. Hello, nice shot of her through the shower curtains as she approaches. Hello, Miss, are you all right? She pulls apart the curtains. Her breath catches. She lets out a classic horror movie scream as the camera pans down to show us. Oh, shit. The bloodied head of Shower Harvey lying dead against the side of the tub, her eyes open and vacant. Man. Oh, my God. I love this so much. Um, just the the classic horror movie scream, the reveal of the body is Shower is just, like, slumped over in the tub, like, blood, like, dripping over one side. Oh, this is... Okay, granted, like, you know, another dead queer woman. I'm not trying to say it's perfect in that way, but, like, the, the presentation here... It, it reminds me of so many like spooky old like murder she wrote episodes, like the classic finding the body scene by the maid, you know. <coughs> Excuse me. It's also grimmer than those two, of course. I guess maybe it's just my memory, but I feel like there's a murder she wrote episode where they find a dead body in a shower at a, like a ski lodge that like stayed with me and just creeped me the fuck out. That's a great episode. The one it where is, they're, it's, yeah. uh, and then there was the crossbow. Yes, yeah. it's the crossbow. Mm-hmm. Love that episode. Uh, I want to say it's Snow White, Blood Red. Mm. Good title. Um, yeah, it's, it's definitely, they've, they've stylistically captured a horror movie. Well, the, um, it's great tropes. Yeah. And not, not just a horror movie, but like, like a mystery horror movie, I guess. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, representation wise, not great. Not yeah. great at all. Uh, but, you know, as far as like a beloved fan favorite character, <laughs> this hurts. This is like the character that whenever she would walk in, they would have poor Dre Davis pause because, you know, there was just applause. Man, I miss Shower already. R.I.P. Shower, you died as you lived in the shower. Well, I love that we got the gloves too. They made sure we saw the hand. I would have loved to just been a fly on the wall for the discussions of the scene. You know what I mean? Well, and I mean, like, I feel like this proves beyond shadow of a doubt. Like the writers, they have a sense of humor. They're aware of the yeah. the perception of the show. Like it's not an accident that Shower Harvey died in the shower. Yeah, know? yeah. Well, uh, it, it's it's funny because I've I've heard Joseph Jordy talk about the nickname to the sense that yeah. he's the one who came up with the line about her taking a shower because he said you've just been in the dollhouse for who knows how long. Of course you're gonna take showers forever because you want to wash that feeling off of you. Mm-hmm. I mean, I just thought that you can't ever perceive how a nickname will be born. <laughs> like, it uh, takes a shit guy on Lost. Exactly. It's exactly like that, yeah. Uh, so we get the A tag. We cut to some grainy interlaced, like, night vision footage of Hannah and Spencer, which to me would say that uh, it was not Rick who had Hannah in 701, right? Anyway, Hannah and Spencer reburied. So what, what, what do you mean? The same night vision footage. There's the night vision footage used of Hannah in 701. Like the same tech. Well, what are you implying? That AD was not the one who had Hannah? I don't think Rick ever 
like oh uh, yeah yeah, yeah. I, f- I feel like we're all on the same page there okay so uh, uh hand spencer reburying the body in the woods we, we pull back to see this is playing a laptop a gloved hand that closes the lid this is the person in the cop outfit we don't can't see their face of course we're kind of over their shoulder they put down what's left of the creepy bald mask on a desk next desk next to a riot baton some paint some other busts of masks including the old man mask and uh, a spencer mask in the far corner of the desk you're uh, saying that's a Spencer mask? That's a Spencer mask in the distance there. I disagree, but sure. Um, that the, doesn't the look like Spencer to me. That's a Spencer mask. Um, okay. Why Why do you say that? Because it looks like Troy and Belisario's face. Okay, her bald face. Um, the one on the left, you don't think so? It doesn't look like Spencer to me, no. Hmm. Well, hmm. I like to see what people think. Uh, so, cardboard box off to the side reads Charlotte Books. It's below Charlotte's Books. It's below a box marked Letters from A.D., <laughs> um, this is very interesting stuff here. Yeah, I mean, this is you know the real A apparently uh, at their lair. Is it possible that that uh, right baton is a murder weapon for shower there? Could be. I mean, she got bonked over the head. Could be. Um, yeah. So that is the A tag, and that's the episode. And now we just have lots of questions about what is going on with all these various interested parties. I mean, I, one possibility, Jenna sent Noel to bump off Shower Harvey because she's becoming a liability. Mm-hmm. I don't think that's the case, but I guess you could throw that out there. Mm-hmm. I feel like I feel like that was a move by AD. Uh, possibly AD did it because Sarah was like joining the B team. Mm-hmm. Like maybe Sarah was a free agent before that. Knew too much. Maybe Sarah was getting too much information from different parties putting something together well lingering question sarah felt like something was owed to her from her time with charlotte that's what she's seemingly been back in town for that's why she was digging under the radley i don't or or she was looking for mary basically proof of mary maybe maybe uh for her own reasons maybe to contact mary maybe to to sell that off or bargain her way out of something with like Uber A or somebody. Mm-hmm. Um, it would probably be then that I think one of the interesting details from the flashback in this episode would be Sarah learning that Jenna knew about and that Charlotte actually knew about Mary like years or uh, months or years earlier. Or at least the idea of Mary. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, doesn't uh, it seem like Charlotte's plan was essentially like to go legit when she got out? Because, like, if she just wanted to escape, there are easier ways of making that happen. They could have escaped at any time once right, right. Once so Rick was embedded. Everything we've seen has indicated that, yeah, Charlotte presumably just wanted to get out. There was no— Well, not, not no, just get out, but get out legitimately. Well, there was no talk about, like, the next heist she wants to pull off or whatever. Yeah. I mean, she's, she's still Charlotte, so there's going to be some scheming. To get to get but, out to, to but, fast track that, but but I guess what I'm saying is if all she wanted to do is escape, she could have done that easily, right? Uh, she wants which to get makes out me and live as Charlotte De Laurentiis. It yeah. makes me think that Rick and Mary's plan to like steal the Kerasini Group money might have been completely separate and unknown to Charlotte. Yeah, like everything about Rick playing both sides and like seducing Allie and gaslighting her and all that that could have been totally separate from what Charlotte thought was going on. And maybe Rick was actually just the one who killed Charlotte. Like yeah. maybe he was just purely a con man and was going to like play both sides against each other. Like never even revealed to Charlotte that he was in contact with Mary or any of that. Yeah. 
Like, we don't really know yet whether or not Charlotte even knew that Mary was waiting or not. Well, and he could have he could have found out of the existence of Mary from eavesdropping on stuff of her mm-hmm. and Jenna. Yeah. Um, he well, could have all- been bragging when he sent that text about how Allison didn't kill Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Well, this all makes me wonder, is it possible that Charlotte was actually just taking the fall for someone in 610? I've always rejected this theory in the past, but we know there is somebody like packing up Karasumi group stuff. Right. We know that Charlotte seemingly already knew Rick before 610. Like she knew him before she went in. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like Jenna introduced him. Jenna just like got Rick like his papers. Well, we don't know exactly when they met. It seems like it was before she went to you know, before she was in jail, I well, guess. Well, I'll put it this way. You might have a point only because how the hell else would she have met him? Exactly, yeah. So, <laughs> I don't know. It just makes me wonder, is it possible that Charlotte was forced to take the fall for somebody else mm-hmm. because of the way events went? I don't know. I mean, well, it's... Think about that Christmas when she first gets to have her her overnight out of the hospital with Allison. Mm-hmm. And that's when Rick makes the first move romantically on Allison. Like, where is Charlotte during this? Is she just like, like I'm going to bed? Yeah, I know. I mean, I guess they would have to keep up appearances by not having him, like, you know, go to bed with Charlotte. And then right. he could make a move on Allie. Uh, let me throw this out there. I don't think they're going to do this, but I'm just going to throw this out there. What if they did something where it was like, no, Charlotte was actually always Charlotte and Charles was somebody else entirely? Hmm. I feel like that would be not helping. No, no, I don't. I don't think. I don't think that would make anyone feel better. I think that yeah. would, that would hurt even more. It's um, it's like oh, you're just erasing you know transgender people. Yeah. 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 Um, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> this is yeah. There's 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 a potentially a lot of bad past. This could go on, go down, and it's like. I could see where you could go down some of these paths, not thinking that how people will perceive it or how it will come across to people. Well, and you I guess I it's mean? just weird that like Charlotte in six ten seemingly was like ready to like blow the place up, right? Yeah. Uh, or was, was she? Like, we're not sure. Was was Shower Harvey there to make sure the bomb went off or to make sure it didn't? Yeah. Um, or vice versa? You know, was Charlotte trying? To make sure it didn't go off, like well, it's, why it's, why were people packing up all her stuff at the Karasumi group at the same time? Like what was going on at that? Well, and like she seemingly wants to blow up the blow up Bradley with herself mm-hmm. inside of it. If if that's to be bought, then if Sarah's helping her, like legitimately helping her, Sarah's gonna go. Well, I mean, Sarah, what do you think all these bombs are for? Like, yeah, Sarah's gonna blow up <laughs> I too. Don't know. Um. So I like the idea of of Sarah trying to stop her, to protect her even from herself. But then is Charlotte suicidal? Well, and then if you have this Rick situation, who she may have known before all this even went down, it's mm-hmm. like she she gets in jail. She manages to like you know work her way into just a mental hospital, and then immediately has Jenna go recruit the guy who's going to get her out of there, like that doesn't seem like the actions of someone who was planning to kill themselves. I don't know. Do you remember um, 
from 610, there was that one promotional photo of Allison at the prom with the waiter. Oh, and, yeah. That and guy. a lot of people were like, oh, shit, that's Charles. Nope. <laughs> I know. Um, just, I mean, they very intentionally put that detail in of somebody like packing up all these bags and going yeah. away from the kerosene group. Like, what does that mean? Where was Charlotte? headspace really like was was everything we saw what we thought we saw or is there like an extra layer there that we're not sure of well i just i don't want to say miss opportunity but like my first the moment that i exist in my head i always thought as she stays behind to watch the end of the tv show there oh yeah Mona. like you have full access to to care see me there mm-hmm. like why isn't Mona like transferring like millions into like offshore accounts of her own or anything? You know, well, and I mean? also like, what is Mona up to? <laughs> yeah, where's Mona right now? Because you know, mm-hmm. Mona's working an angle. Yeah. Um. Well, I feel like we're starting to get at least like the faint outlines of the various groups and alliances here. You know, there was there's well, there's know. the Jenna B team, perhaps. There's the Marion Rick team, perhaps. And there's AD. I f- I feel like we can at least suppose without a hundred percent certainty that those are the groups and that perhaps Shara Harvey is like moving between them. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Anyway, next week, Jason comes back. Looking like Jesus. At least looking like Roach from Point Break. I'm just wondering, does the other guy, what was the other fucking guy at, uh, at, uh, Karasimi? Does that guy like, does he have to grow his hair out like Jason does? Oh God. What was that guy's name? Re- was it Reese? Reese? Reese Matthews? Maybe Reese Matthews. Am I making that up? I think it's Reese Matthews. Something like that. You know, I was trying to work on like a Caleb does Keanu voice. I, I just don't know if I have it. But can, can I just say, uh, you're cold because all the blood is running out of your body, Roach. You're going to be dead soon. I hope it was worth it. He goes to Tower Record. He buys some CDs. <laughs> um, Everybody should go watch a real point break. Just saying. Oh, you know what I need you to do right now before we close this out? Mm. I need you to give me Toby ordering the meatball subs. Utah, get me two. <laughs> I'll take it. Yeah. Oh, I want to go watch that movie again. Utah, give me two. Yeah, go watch Point Break. Anyway, that was what one to dead or alive. Candy Laurentis. That would be pretty intense, I think. Allison, have you ever drank your own pee? <laughs> like, how did you guys even grow up under that asshole? Yeah. Um, I just imagine Peter Hazen's reaction to him. He's just like, Ken, I, uh, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So next week is original gangsters with uh, A in quotes and gangsters. Uh, that one is written by Caitlin Brown, directed by Melanie Mayron. Mm. Um Got a couple of reviews in iTunes in the U.S. Thanks to Kyle K-Man Kizzle, Band Geek 4389 and Paleo Perfectionish mm-hmm. in Ireland. Thanks to uh, uh, Kymer One in Australia. Thanks to I Rock Me Too. Mm-hmm. Always appreciate getting reviews in iTunes. We have 298 five-star ratings in the U.S. and iTunes. So we're thankful for that. Perhaps somebody out there can be lucky number 300. Yeah. Um, you can reach us at broswatchpll2 on Twitter, and our website page is broswatchpll2.com. Mm-hmm. Any last thoughts? Almost got the three hours, guys. Sorry. I always get worried when I jokingly post like a you know three-hour podcast, and it gets more likes than anything else we post. 
I'm just like, oh, shit. They really want it. I feel like, you know, if the show continues on this stream that's been on with these really amazing episodes and things, um, we're bound to get there just if we if we stop and take every scene and see if it passes the Ezria test. I think we can get there. It's funny, our, our PLL bingo made mm-hmm. by uh, the new French, mm-hmm. it, it has an extra long podcast, parentheses, over one hour, 45 minutes. That's like the last two seasons of podcasts. Yeah. We haven't dipped under 145 in so long. It's frankly disturbing. Well, because that, that used to be a technical choice for, for people to be able to download on a cellular connection. I guess so, yeah. Um, and then I think we were worried about it being too long and then people were like, no, no, no. It's quite okay. Mm-hmm. And here we were like, what? You want our egos to indulge themselves further? Don't mind if we do. Eggplant emoji. <laughs> Lovers. And with that, we will talk to you next week. Bye-bye.